0: Howard from the Panoma Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 286 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Christian Aurora of CLE Cigar Company as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Deimos Race Cigars. Deimos Race Cigars introduces another chapter of the saga, Saga Sleds. So it's a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Soles is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Soles carries a blend of Cuyo Olor, and Piloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected ecuador shade Clara wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price. Be sure to ask your retailer for Saga Soles. And buy Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand requires tobacco has been carefully hand selected and well aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is in three distinct wrappers a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich earthy Cuban Sea Nicaraguan Girl, and a dark oily Cuban Sea Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with high priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend the balanced complexity of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo's are a family-owned and opera company. It's headquartered in Miami, Florida with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo mint So 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate, dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black & Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hepfield, Sweet Amber Distillings Rob Dietrich and Drew Estate's Johnson Drew. The All Maduro Black & Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather chocolate espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer and remember all the live streaming for the California Studios as well as for the uh, Primetime Show is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 286. Today is Thursday, October 26, 2023. Will Cooper, I'm in the Paramount Scar Studios here on the Black Stage. I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing pretty good. Getting over a head cold here, but I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got through the uh I actually got through the reeds. I was a little concerned, but I really hydrated up before I had the water. So <laughs> a lot of water Good. I had before that. Yeah, but it was water too. Good.
1: Yeah, so uh World Series time starts tomorrow. Sorry your Phillies couldn't make it, but we'll see how it goes.
0: You know, I I, I everyone knows probably I was upset about it, but um you know, we got I mean, what a two-year run I have it. I mean, I, I this team was so bad for so long. Now, but now it's not just good enough to get there. Now you want to win it. But yep. I, I, you know, me, I thought this team was out of it in April. I, I, I didn't think yeah. we were going to have a winning season. So, I mean, I, I can't, you know, I, you know, we we can, you know, we can micro, uh what do you call it? Monday morning quarterback, that whole series, all we want, you know, they they yeah. outplayed us. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. They outmanaged us, outplayed us. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but uh, I think it's gonna be a good series. Uh, two teams that I don't think anybody was expecting to be there. So yeah,
0: I mean, you got you got a uh, you know Texas, obviously, and then Arizona plays just they play great fundamental baseball. I mean, that's yeah. you just they just played the the baseball basics really well, base stealing, you know, things like that. You know, they were stealing bases on us like old school in that game. Yeah. yeah so, um, so yeah, I, I uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it actually. Yeah. So I'm traveling next week, so at least I won't miss the. You know, I won't. Well, I'll miss one. I think I'll miss one game, and that's it. But the way the schedule is, so it's okay. Yeah. But it's a so it's a Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday.
1: That's the way I believe it. And then
0: it is a Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they do it like that. So I think Wednesday would be the only day I might miss because that's my day I'm traveling. Okay. So, so not bad at all. But uh, um. But yeah, Mike, the other thing is I'm going to light up tonight because I haven't lit up in um, about 36 hours, so mm-hmm. so I feel like I can smoke now, which is good. I, you know, Yesterday, I was like, nah, I, I just going to take it easy. I know was doing the show, but hey, yeah. let's welcome uh, in our guest, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since we've talked to him on this show, um, but, so really great to have him back. He is the one. He is the only. The man, the the legend, Christian Oroa of CLE <laughs> Cigar Company. Christian, welcome back to Primetime, my friend. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks no, for thanks having for having us as well. We do appreciate, I mean, thanks for being on. We know this is your personal time and uh, you can be doing a lot of other things. So
2: we do appreciate it. No, you know, you know, what's the funny thing is, you know, I started reading a book. My father, My mother gave me this one book and it's called, uh, it's 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 a Mexican author. It's a Mexican business book. So I didn't think I was going to connect to it because different management style, right? And then uh, it's called uh, Don't Let the Tail Wag the Dog. And one of the things that they say when the book starts is, Whoever got into business by themselves, thinking they're going to get more freedom, time, and financial independence, they're they're absolutely wrong. Is yeah. the example. when uh, you go to business by yourself and and you have that entrepreneur mentality, you have the opposite. You never have free time. You never have uh, you know, you're always doing something. So you're always working or doing something because that that's we go to sleep sleep at night thinking about what we're doing, and we get up in the morning thinking about what we're doing. So actually, I'm the one who's grateful to you for for organizing this. It's always a pleasure talking. And oh, Aaron.
0: A- yep. Aaron. <laughs> Christian, when you um when you started with, with Camacho, it was ninety-five, I mean you, you came pretty much right out of a uh, grad school and, and you pretty much worked right went right into the cigar business, right? So you kind of went into this right away.
2: No, 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 no. I actually I avoided working with my father. I avoided because I remember my older brother justo who who's who you know very well. He's has yep. got into now. My brother was working with my father. I was 16. He was 22 out of college. And I remember, man, they used to have these epic battles. And they said, man, there's no way I'm going to work with the old man. So, you know, I pretty—I I got out of high school very early, started college early. So by the time I was 21, I, was, I already had my master's degree. But I worked with somebody else. We worked with a friend of the family. We were doing this business called Factoring, which it's buying accounts receivable. I was doing that for about a year, year and a half. And the last thing I wanted to do was to work with, with my father. Because uh, I remember it being so tough. But, you know, th- that company was sold. We were able to sell that business. And I said, all right, let me go work with my father for about six months. And I'll come back to Miami. Man, Cooper and, and it took about two weeks for me to feed just to get fishing water. Because I, I, I grew up in the farm. I, was, I grew up around it. And, and it was always, to me, the coolest person ever was my father. I remember he used to wear blue jeans and a white T-shirt. He used to fly airplanes, wear boots. He always carried a gun everywhere we went. He, he was such a cool figure to me. That when I got there and I started realizing what being a tobacco, he always kept using those words. Yeah, you got to be a tobacco man. You got to understand everything. And uh, and we had good examples, right? He used to always tell me, look, you know, Nesta Placentia, man, he's up at 530 in the morning. He's running around. So you got to be up at five. You got to beat him. And he would tell me stories. I, I was fortunate to grow up around Rolando Reyes right, professionally from, uh, from Puros Indios or Cubaleados. So always had these really good examples. So no man, I didn't want I did not want to go into a business. But when I first and then when immediately when I got into it, I,
0: I fell in love with it. And that's what I was bred to do. I loved it. Yeah. No, you know, Christian, I worked for my dad one summer. Um, and <laughs> the, only, the only reason why I didn't is he sold the business. And I I don't know, you know, I think if I would have told him I'd come and I was in college, I think if I would have told him I wanted to be on full time, he wouldn't have sold it. Um I kind of regret re- regret it, you know. I, I never knew why. He did sell it when he did, but he did. Um, but let me tell you that that summer was brutal for me. He was hard on okay. me. It was it was driving, it was driving uh limousines and sedans, and he is very particular. So uh he busted yeah. my butt. Yeah.
2: yeah, I, I remember uh, so I started working 95. 95 was in the middle of the cigar boom. And for some reason, and I got this from Philip Schuster, our, our good friend from my from Germany, who just he's retiring this year, actually. Oh really? so, yeah, man. So Philip Schuster told me. That cigar booms come every 25 years. We don't know why. And it's true. Like the roaring 20s, right? Then uh, World War II. And then 69 was the next one. And then 95. And then 2020. So for some reason, they always come. Every, so in 95, we're in the middle of, of a boom. Everything was increasing. So and my file was very much against buying tobacco from other places. But we had, the demand was incredible. Our, our production was sold like 19 and 20 months ahead of time. So I remember ordering tobacco from, from Indonesia of all places. And I tried to sneak the tobacco in there because I had the credit lines. I had everything. So I ordered the tobacco and usually Saturdays, you know, is the day that my father and I would spend most of the day in the farm. And that Saturday I said, no dad, I'm going to stay in the office. I got some paperwork to do, which I never did. But <laughs> so the old man did because I knew the container was coming on Saturday morning, <laughs> Saturday morning. So the old man, man, obviously way smarter than I was still today. So why well, the old man pretends to go to the farm. And when I'm unloading, I'm there unloading the container with the rest of the guys. I'm all excited about these bales. I see the old man's truck pull up. I go, Oh man,
3: this is going. Oh, did we lose him? We lost him. Oh, he just, just died. Right. Yeah. in
0: the middle. Of- we'll we'll give- see if he comes back in. We'll see, we'll oh. see if he comes back in there right now. Uh, that, uh, that was, I thought it was me for a second. Cause I just switched the screen and I, and when I did, I thought maybe I hit the wire. Uh, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll give him a second. We just, I think we lost Christian there. So, uh, um but yeah that's uh interesting stuff, you know. Um I guess that work with my dad was yeah, was, was a was trip? Here he comes. Hey. Uh
2: I don't know what I did, man. That was me. Fat finger. So <laughs> uh, you're all good. You're all good. <laughs> so anyway, I go man, it's gonna go like a turn and punch bowl. And I walk into the alt office and alright, I got my Toby two legs. I'm just waiting for it. And the old man, you know, he's kinda like leaning back, you know, he's he's smoking a cigar. He used to smoke back rats and La Fontana. So he's leaning back. And I'm just waiting for it, right? You know, and and he just, I sit down and he just starts laughing. He goes, you know what the problem is? You're never going to respect me like a boss. I'm never going to respect you like an employee. But as long as, as long as you're always making decisions, I'm okay. You're going to make good ones. You're going to make bad ones. I like that you made a decision. I don't agree with it. I'm going to let you go with it. But, you know, I would rather you make decisions and be wrong than not make any decisions at all. And never, Mm. never move us forward. So it actually turned out fairly well, that experience, but yeah, man,
0: but working family
2: is a different story.
3: It's completely different. it, It
0: definitely is. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, you know, like I said, I had a short taste of it. You guys obviously have done it. You've done it for quite a long time, uh, which, which is amazing. Um, and I've seen your dad at the I think I've told the story. I've seen his, your dad at the farm. He's up at like 5 a.m. He's he's watching Fox News. He's uh And he's ready to go. He's like ready to go like at 6 o'clock.
2: Listen, Coop, I, you know, I remember um one day it must have been like 4.57
3: right in
2: the afternoon. And I just leave the office early. So, you know, he gets home. He gets to the office like and our, our house was two blocks away. So he, he goes 20, 30 minutes later. He goes, hey, what happened? Why'd you leave? her? ah, like, oh, dad, you know. And, and you know, Hoop is one of those that We've all had them. I just didn't want to yeah. work. I didn't want to office. I was just completely disconnected. I said, dad, you know, I, my son was kind of upset. I made him some cockamamie story. He goes, listen, kid, I'm up by 4.15 in the morning. Around 7 o'clock in the morning, my shoulders hurt, my ass hurts, my back hurts. And I'm, you know, 30 years older than you are. So please, I don't ever want to hear you complain about not feeling well ever again. And that was the end of that, man. But he, he, he's tremendously inspiring. He's got great energy. And he's still making, he'll be 86 in January. He keeps making these 10-year plans. Wow, I can't get, God bless. Uh, so now, you know, January next year, I, I, or probably November this year or January, I start spending half my time in Honduras now. So I'm going to start preparing my way back to be more, more uh, attuned with the farm and, and, uh, and uh, to really understand because he, he's got so much that, you know, I would hate for him, you know, definitely 10 years from now, he's not going to be working at this speed. So I want to learn as much as I can, I can from him now. Yeah, and taking uh, Too much time has passed, you
0: know. While well, we've been building this this asylum and CLE company, yep, exactly. Um, and and congratulations, eleven years now. So uh, that's, a, yeah. I mean, look, that's that's great. That's great. I uh, it seemed like it went fast, but um, eleven years. Uh, you know, a lot of companies, you know, don't don't make it that long. So, uh, congratulations on that.
2: Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, it's been definitely an interesting ride, different industry altogether. You know, some, there was a, definitely a shift from the moment we saw in 2008 to 2012 when we came back. That four-year period, even though it was somewhat involved with, with with Davidoff, it was a tremendous shift, man. The, the world moved toward Nicar- Nicaragua. The, the world changed, man. People changed. The way people work changed. Yeah, yeah. Millennials came in and, and started working and started consuming for, you know, Gen Xers. So we're stuck between, you know, th- this was an industry built by baby boomers. Then uh, Gen Xers, we we jumped in and started developing, uh, you know, during the boom. And then when I came back in, all of a sudden, I'm dealing with a lot of with a lot of millennials whose mentality is completely different. That we first fought it and, and could not understand it, and frustrated, the, you know, frustrated us like crazy. But now that we understand them, man, they're actually really really productive. Now we actually yeah. understand things, you know. But it was frustrating at first. They just uh, they just learned how to use tools more easily than we do.
0: Well, wow. so when you when you were out and you when you came back, you came back with one of the you did come back with, was not just silly, but asylum. Was that something that you kind of saw? Um, hey, when we come back, we got to have this particular brand in the market to kind of because this is where things were going. Is that kind of what you guys were thinking at the time?
2: I would love to say yes. And it was all by design. And and that's how smart Tom and I are. But no, man, we uh, we we started that company. We had a guy named uh, Kevin Baxter started with us. He was out of Kansas. We had uh, Robert Caldwell and Tom and me, right? Yeah. And then uh, oil came in a little after, but right at the beginning, but, you know, weeks after we started. So, um, and this kid had the idea, man. Uh, Kevin Baxter, I mean, he's an older guy. He had the idea. We started developing uh, Sound 13. He did the, uh, the designs. You know, I went down. We, we went to, originally, we wanted to make 300,000 cigars a year. Right. And that's it. Maybe 600,000 with Tom. It was going to be CLE. I didn't want a factory. Davidoff was going to make my cigars. And one day we finished early. I said, Hey, man, you know, why don't we cross the border over in Nicaragua and um, and see what we got, man? Let, let's go visit. I know a factory there. We went to Naxa. Let's go over there. Let's talk to Naxa, see what's going on. And we came up with these blends and we really liked them. And I was, look, man, I grew up in the Contra times in Down Lee. So to me, Nicaragua was, was like, or a lot, what a lot of people think of the Canadians today, right? <laughs> Back then, you know, those, um, those are different. The Canucks are the, that for <laughs> us. same. So, Nicaragua was taboo for me. but We went there and I, I was incredibly impressed, pleasantly surprised with, with the culture, the blends, everything that they produced. And we came up with a blend and, and we were going to name that. And that became, what was, was a sound 13, you know, unfortunately, and, and it was Tom Azuka who came up, with, came up with the idea with a 70 by seven, because I think it was JFR who had it. And, uh, it was never supplied so all right screw it let's come up with our own let's do one and i told tom i was going to make five thousand of them because we were going to eat them because we were never it did on the protest just just to us, so i could have it and i told you and uh man but it worked out really really well unfortunately kevin baxter things didn't work out and, and um but yeah we, we, we took a took off it was immediate it was, we, we don't know what the formula was i don't know if it was the size the shape the colors the blend the name I don't know what it was, or maybe it was the way we distributed it. You know, Tom's a very likable guy. You know, we were also had a pretty good uh, reputation in Camacho, and I think people trusted our products. You know, I'm not saying that the doors were wide open, but uh, you know, people really trusted what we were doing, and we, man, we, it, was, it was it was explosive. I think it was the fastest growing cigar brand I've ever seen in this industry. And I've been around for a while. Oh, and, definitely. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm saying to the point that. You know, what really made that brand was w- when uh, other companies started copying the product. We even had one competitor that matched exactly what our product was by price, by package count, sizes, everything. And that's really what solidified. I remember that evening. Tom was so upset. We were having dinner, I think, in Colorado. I was jumping up and down. I was happy. And Tom was really, really pissed. I go, Tom, You got to read the 22 immutable laws of branding, bro. These people just made our brand the most popular brand in the country. And that size will become a, a staple. And all of a sudden, when you have 20 or 30 companies knocking off your products, that was huge. Yeah. So, really.
0: Yeah. What well, they say? Uh, you know, uh, invitations, the best one, flattery, right? Oh, yeah. That was exciting. It was really yeah. exciting. Yep. Yeah. It- and you know, I remember when you started out, you had you you kind of were working with this like, incubator model, and it's kind of flushed out now to three brands: um Cielo, and uh Asylum. And you kind of talked a little about us. But how would you like if someone was coming in? You were saying, "What's the difference between these three brands? How would you how would you position these three brands?"
2: Well, listen, Asylum is I compare Asylum to Jack Daniels. All right. that's that's straightforward. You want to get mm-hmm. into a bar right kind of a cigar,
3: <laughs> right? <That's, laughs>
2: You know, and ADO was we took inspiration for, uh, for CLE. I mean, it was pretty much just like uh, your main sponsor, Perdoma. We wanted it to be an everyday cigar, mm-hmm. it wasn't a cigar that people would say, "Oh my God, you know, today I, I uh, my kid graduated and I want to smoke that cigar today." No, but you know, you smoke every day something that's that's trustworthy and reliable. That's what CLE was at, at the beginning, the main goal, and of course, ADO would be the one for special occasions, something that. <laughs> You know, Edo has never been meant, not even today, to be a top-selling brand. Edo is just a cigar that we want, where I like to share what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and what I can interpret through a blend. And fortunately, some people like these interpretations, and, and so we sell to a few people. So Edo is just that one cigar that that uh, I put a lot of creativity into, as far as blends, you know, something I, I would not take a risk with, with a brand like CLE, uh, or sign up, but it all allows me to do that with, with real creative and creative blends. Whether you know, if if I sell thirty thousand cigars like we do the Royal Dark a year, that's great. I'm I'm super happy with that. Whereas CLE, I can never we can never afford to sell that few cigars in a brand like that. You know, right. anything yeah. for CLE has to be three, four hundred thousand cigars a year, or else it doesn't work for us.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, the with Dark is so unique. It's such a unique cigar too. Um, always enjoy that cigar. And uh, what I like is it's, it's it's like a once a year release you kind of do right. It's not like it's, it's more like you said it's more limited to get it because I know sometimes it's tougher for me to get.
2: Yeah, it's it's batch production. It's batch, We don't make it every day. When we get the way it works is when we get the tobacco in, and tobacco's coming in, uh, you know, from from my, my father's farm every so often.
3: Right. We get
2: separate the tobacco immediately, and you know, some batches we only get six hundred pounds. Other batches I just got one batch now was one thousand eight hundred pounds. So it's not that much of that wrapper, that particular wrapper, right? It yeah. might be 8,000 pounds, but out of that, we only get 10% of that. We set that tobacco aside. And matter of fact, we started a farm in South America and I'm starting another farm in Honduras and I'm going to start a third farm in Honduras. I'm going to do a special project in my father's farm too. So now we're really, really developing to focus only on Corojo and Pinareño, which we'll talk about later on today. Yep. yep. And And these seeds that, because they're they're all traditional seats. I like them, man. Nothing wrong with the new hybrids. Nothing wrong with it at all. But to me, that's like buying like buying Velcro shoes. You know, I like I like to tie my shoes or like buy on pontai. You know, I like yeah. I like the hard I like things to come hard eh, because uh, I I think there's a there's a lot more enjoyable when you get the end result.
0: Yep, yep, no, um, we'll, we'll hit that. I had one more just question on the business end of things before we kind of get into some of these projects, which I'm pretty excited about. So you made it, there was a little change, I guess, this year in terms of your sales manager. You, uh, Robert Wright is back with you guys now, right? And- yeah, you know. Yeah.
2: Hmm. yeah, Robert's been with us forever, right? Robert's been with us forever. He was with me in Camacho. Actually, Robert started probably exactly 20 years ago. Might be, he might have started in October, 20 years, right. anyways, 20 years ago, Uh Robert White was always a superstar, man. Great, great salesperson. He was my the head of sales when we sold Camacho, or when Camacho and Davidoff to go Camacho. He was uh, number two. I don't, I don't know what his official title was, but he was the number two. He was under Jeff Lee over Davidoff. And Robert uh, ventured on. He came out with his own cigar called Sol, which we yep. make for him. Really, really good cigar. We make out of Honduras, Nicaragua, also. Yep. So uh and then he we, we asked him very, very nicely to come and, and, and take care of New York for us and New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and I, and I think Connecticut, whatever. So, or a part of Connecticut. And just recently, and Tom and I have talked about this for a long time, that the time was going to come where I would have to leave, leave my position or you know leave Miami and start spending more time in the factory and, and, and the farm, which is really cool. That's what I love. That's what yeah. I really enjoy. Love being down there. But the time was going to come and Tom, and Tom couldn't do it by himself, you know. So he so he needed. Um, so we decided. Tom and I decided to bring Robert right back in. He's extremely organized. You know that that guy is. I'm telling you, man. If that guy didn't discover cigars, he would have been an engineer or something because he's he's organized that way. That's good. So I I love the fact that he's there, and and we've seen the change just in six weeks already. The change has been very very nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's um. No, that's great to hear. So that's great to have. I've always liked those poor souls too. Those were good cigars. So thank you. Yep. Yeah. So let's kind of get because I think there's a lot of like if I look at what you guys are doing, there's a lot of exciting things I've seen in the last 12 months from you guys. Uh, probably you know just maybe in the last two years for sure. Um, you know, you guys are always known as as you know uh, the Aurora Family Farm Corojo, right? Um, but. First on the farm, we're seeing like other crops now start to ha- to come there. I mean, you've made use of that Cameroon Cameroon like uh, for a, for a few releases right now. So you guys, it seems like that the farms like, like I don't want to say the farm was always a one trick pony, but we're seeing other things come out of this farm that you've been able to now incorporate into the blends. Cool. The problem with the farm, the problem, my dad, that he's that not a one trick pony. That's what drives me
2: crazy. <laughs> I'm like, that. Broco rojo grow gruabano only. Dude, I'm telling you, man, he, he's experimental with Abano seeds now. He's experimental with New Mexican seeds. He's experimenting with Cameroon. I did a different version of Cameroon. He's always experimenting with something. Right. And now the funny thing is, as much as I criticize him, I find myself in this farm in, in South America doing the same things. <laughs> doing the stupid thing that, that he does, which I hate. I hate that he did it, but now I completely i am turning into him. So, uh, yeah, listen, he, he's always been uh, very creative with the seeds. that He's been after this Cameroon for decades. When I tell you decades, decades, right. it's 97. It's for a very long time. You finally got it. We are using it in the signature. We use it on the PCA. It uh, very successfully. And uh, I, I like it because it gives you some of that hamstring body mm-hmm. that's very good, very uh, very tasty, but it has that very sweet finish. And it's not brittle. It's not delicate. The word's not brittle. I think the word is delicate, right? It's not delicate like other Cameroons that I've seen or like the stuff actually from Cameroon. So this product is, is I think my father has done to Cameroon what the Paris family did to Connecticut Seed in Ecuador. Oh, interesting. That he was able to successfully move that Seed to a different country, in my opinion. And listen, I respect the Merrifels and, and, and respect the product. I'm just thinking, in my very personal opinion, to my taste, I think he's done that for the Cameroon Seed.
0: I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you, too. There's some good cigars that have Thank come you. with that. Yes, I agree. I agree. It was a uh, you know your brother and you are both using it, and they both been really good cigars. So um, it and it is different. I don't yeah. like if someone said, well, it's not genuine African. I, no, it's not. It's just something different. It's a it's a different varietal. Yeah, so. we're using
2: uh, yeah we're using the CLE signature. We're using that cigar. Yeah, that yeah, we're I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with the results. Very happy that, uh, uh, that it's being enjoyed. And the funny thing is now, coop, it's not just here. It's worldwide, right? So it's not just the US now. It's I think we're we're like. Probably ninety something countries, maybe a hundred countries, and the responses—it's it's incre- It's—it's amazing how how similar the responses are to the products.
3: Yeah,
0: no, it. it uh, I know you guys were—you guys were touring Europe. I know uh, a few months ago and everything. So yeah, you guys have definitely been um, making the international move there too. Yeah, once in a lifetime, man. Actually, those opportunities
2: never existed before.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. We're very
2: fortunate that uh, Hans Peter Hogman joined us. Years ago, he, he we were able to pick him up. He was the number two at Davidoff for many years. You know, he he uh, he left when when Davidoff went through a new CEO and they did some crazy some some change some changes there. And um, so he was able to really help. To me, the European distribution was marketing. I never saw it as a business. Right. To me, I guy named William Cooper to be traveling in Paris and see my cigars in the store, and to go to Barcelona and see the cigars in the store, and be in London. Because then he would come back to Charlotte and say, hey, man, I see those cigars everywhere. So it must be a good cigar. That was my original point, my original goal with it. But as luck would have it, man, and, and I, I seem to be surrounded by it, as luck would have it, what, four years later, after we get really established, and distribution established, the Cuba does a transaction. <laughs> where Cuba cigars disappear. Did you know that the, the CLE Abano here, the one we know is Abano here, right. is over there that is the de facto replacement for part series D number four. Wow. France, I mean, it, it is, it, that cigar is such a good cigar over here. We just price is so, so low, right? I think it's a sub, sub $10 cigar in most States. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we just but over there because the tax and everything, it, it, it pairs up and that's the cigar that people buy when that cigar is not available. And if you're under 35, let's say 26 to 35, that is the cigar choice. Wow.
0: It's, it's how, how things happen yeah man what, what was it what did you say because i know they can't use the habano name what's the name they had to use you have to use
2: oh we have two different and we have either criollo okay and in france it's called the orange
3: <laughs> orange. orange okay because <laughs> of the band
2: yeah listen man yeah. <laughs> france, i grew up there man so i understand i spent a lot of my summers there so um yeah they got to call everything I, 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 I don't know which ones are called the hercules and whatever there's a name for every, every cigar
0: okay. <laughs> no but you know I, I remember talking to you a long time ago um and i you've always liked to travel right that's always something you you really enjoyed right and um and it seems like now you know you, you you like to travel and you you've been you're almost like on this quest to find these tobaccos is that something that's that's like am i am i reading that right right now cuz i'm hearing about all these projects you're doing yeah. right now in other countries
2: yeah because you know, if you want to, unfortunately, cigar business is a business, right? So you always yeah. overthink. I got to think 20, 30 years ahead ahead from now. Mm-hmm. Honduras is, and you got Iowa, Central America, we have a tremendous, tremendous water shortage. Tremendous. It's real bad. You know, okay. not now. 10, 15 years from now, I see it. To develop, an, an, to develop a farm, an operating farm, you need 10 or 15 years to do it, right? Right. Look, I'm already in this one project. We're, we're just looking at the numbers today, which after I'm done with you, I'll probably have a few whiskeys thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're over, in three years, we're over a million in, over a million dollars into that project. And it's developing, slow, it's in, in the right direction. But it all takes for me to go take a trip and look at my dad's farm. And I get so depressed, man. I go, man, I have so much more to go and so much more to spend. So the reason I'm doing these projects, because I'm, I'm really seeking out places that have a lot of water. Right. And, and they're non-traditional tobacco places because no one will think, because I also want to keep competition away. Right. Because that's really gets me. But I love everybody in this. I love this business. But dude, there is zero originality in this business. And everybody wants to copy everybody everything. And, and no one wants to invest and create which is frustrating for me, extremely frustrating for, okay. But, you know, we got to take some bad with, with all the good. Right. So I, I go to areas on purpose that no one's there. So, cause I want I don't want to take from anybody and I don't want anybody taking from me. So I'll go in and I'll go through the, uh, through the headaches myself. Right. So right. Uh, And then, yeah, we are trying, we're trying the varieties, you know, there are varieties that we cannot grow in Honduras anymore. And they're growing in these other areas. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but a lot more money. I mean, very expensive. I had to change sure. the technique, everything about it. But they're working. But they're working. And that's I want to be able to, yeah. you know, if I could, if I could have one thing, is just I would love to do what my what I did alongside with my father. Or my father did regrowing the authentic coral seed. And I was fortunate enough to be in a position to to present it to everybody. I'd luck also. Camacho, right? With Camacho pro. I would love to be able to do that with a seed like Pinareño which is, uh, and I'm, I'm understanding the history behind it, which is really, it was called, it was really the, the Cuban Criollo. That's your original name. For some reason someone named the Pinareño somewhere along the way, but that is the seed that Tino Argullin, the, the real guy who developed the, the industry in Honduras, that is the seed you read about that came in the coffee cans in the bottom. That is the seed, that's the story, that's the guy. And uh, you know, I, I know my brother and and uh, was working with my dad on getting that story straight. And I'll be with my dad in a couple of weeks and try to, try to get more details, you know, and every time and get more of its friends. And, you know, a couple people left that came in at that time because I want to revive these seeds because, man, it, they make cigars taste so good, man. They, they make them taste so, so good, I, in my yeah.
4: opinion.
0: Yeah, I remember you were working with a seed, the Generoso, with Camacho. Was, uh, do I have that seed right? Was, was something called the Generoso?
2: No, it was it was La Victoria. Okay, okay. No, I'm sorry. No, you're right, Coop. Yeah, and it also was a seed that we're working on. It was one, that was one of the Cuban hybrids that Cuba was experimenting with. That right. ended up, that seed was Corojo 2006.
3: Okay.
2: A very, very good seed. Uh, but, you know, it's it since developed. You know, at that point, we, we were finding, you know, we were trying to find ways. Look, if I would had the experience I have now, obviously with Camacho. You know, I wouldn't have rushed to grow that to grow that much corojo. You know, come on, that company got to 17 million cigars a year, one seven wow. million. It's too many, man. I should have capped that production at 10, 11 million cigars, and done a smarter model, something like what uh, George did with Padron, even what Carlos Fuente did. You know, make make it a lot smarter, and instead of just trying to be big, big and grow and grow, that's what with this new company. I don't want to be big. I don't want to. I want to stay small. I want to, I like. I like the size we're at now. You know, just about four million cigars. When I get to six or seven million cigars, I'll start scratching my head to see if I want to push further.
0: But you that, have, yeah, but that, you have a lot of cigars, though. I mean, I've seen. I've seen the sheets. Uh, your SKU sheets. There's a lot of cigars you make right now, too. I'm uh, just Yeah, you know, we're
2: yes, we're trying to develop. I still see. I mean, we're 11 years old, but I still see the company as pretty. As a pretty young company. Mm-hmm. Grand scheme of things, we're, we're extremely young. Yeah. So, you know the companies that are out there. We might be the youngest one. I'm trying to think if someone is younger than us because we started about the same time as Four kids. anyway. And and Ernesto Carrillo started, I think, one or two years before I did, right? Yes, so, th- that's correct. So we're tr- the company was trying to build a personality, trying to build mm-hmm. its personality. Right. And you know, I saw myself falling into the same trap I did back into Camacho, where business—the word business—gets in front of cigar, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that's another huge reason why I'm, I'm taking a step back again and trying to stay away from the sales side and just focus on making the products that I like and enjoy. And if I sell a million cigars of that cigar, great. If I sell 3 million of that one, great. But at least I'm making something I want to do because I think our customers, someone that buys us cigars deserves that kind of attention instead of me thinking with, with the marketing side and the business, okay, we got to do this to sell that. So some brands that we have in C L E were a result of that. Right. And, so our portfolio next year will be trimmed by one, two, maybe three different products, which I'm really thinking about now, scratching my head seriously about. Because I think it's time, man. We got we, we, And we're always scrubbing products from our catalog, but I think it has to be the right amount. And I, I think if someone's going to spend X amount for a cigar, I think they need to know, and we owe it to that person that he or she know that the person who made that cigar really cared about their experience with the product and not just about hitting a quarter, hitting sales, hitting a bonus or
0: any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I always say, my opinion is when you actually do that, it's a sign of strength, not weakness. I mean, I actually think it's a, a sign of the company really maturing. Uh, and those are good, you know, I know you hate that business part, but those are so, sound business decisions to make. So, uh, I, I don't look at that. i think go as a, uh, you, you'll miss, obviously whatever you have to do that with, but I think it's a, I think it's a good decision. I agree. Thank you. Hey, right, look at yeah.
2: we're, we're right. You look at, uh, and I look at people like uh, Lito Gomez, right? Lito Gomez is is, and even a guy like my father too, man. I mean, these guys never talk about sales or anything, nothing. They don't care, man. They just make a really good product, and they're happy with it. That's it. And and um, and I think we make really good products. And it's it's when I when I stick, when I let those thoughts creep back in, is when when I I start changing my approach to
0: it. So I I want to just focus on cigars. Yep. So you have you, one of you, you, talked about these South American farms Um and you have, are you, so these are farms, are they, are they farms you're contracting with? You, you, you out like own them no, and yeah. No, it's,
2: us, it's us doing the whole thing.
3: Okay. The
2: whole thing. And um, it's different, man, man. It's different. It's just a right. whole different story. And, and the, the amount of obstacles, it's funny because anything and everything that can go, go wrong does go wrong. Anybody you talk to is 100% of the people trying to You're – they're on the take. It's amazing, man. Just, you know, we, we buy a truck, the truck gets stolen. We buy a generator, the generator gets stolen. <laughs> uh, uh, we rent land, it was fake land. You know, anything and everything you can think of. Right. And do the solid foot to get solid footing in there. I mean, I'm telling you, a uh, 1000000 were in there last two or three years, I, I have to tell you that probably three or 400,000 have been – Wow. Stolen away or or scammed out of, it's amazing, wow. man. Wow. But I believe so much in that project, I believe in that much in that 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 area that I'm in. That uh, we'll keep we we'll keep chugging along, man. We'll keep yep. doing it because I do that. You know, the funny thing is, I was with a with this guy who works for this Rupert Rupert Miller, super very organized, extremely organized guy. You know, he's you know matter of fact, he's militant. He drives me drives me nuts sometimes. So we share we share a nice smoke you know he he sits next to me he sees my frustrations when i lose when i lose my crap you know i, I get all pissed off he sees it so we were in Honduras a couple weeks ago maybe 3 weeks ago and i finally tried the first batch of that tobacco you know and i smiled right it was just a smile and rupert says christian how much is that smile worth i go rupert this is a million dollar smile <laughs> 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 so good the tobacco so good, and I was so happy. And it's only filler now. I couldn't get the rappers that I wanted, you know. So um, we—I mean, we got more in process now. But it really was, and that—that that, that is the million-dollar smile. I was so happy, and, and he just—he laughed. I—I I, like that he noticed, and I like that he appreciated because you know it's been 2023. It's been a, a stressful year, so I'm glad I was able to be with somebody, and you know, kind of like and respect. So, so uh,
0: I'm glad I was able to share that moment with somebody, and somebody was able to catch it. That's great. Nice. That's great. Uh, so you know you you've obviously started using some. I'm not gonna try to pry it out of you where you're getting the tobacco no. from. Or no, nor am I gonna try to guess it because I have no clue. But I am smoking the PCA, uh, the CLE PCA exclusive, and it is really good. And there's something there is an okay. there is an intangible I'm trying to put my finger on about this. So um, but you you opted I guess to take a batch of that tobacco and, and use it in a smaller runs for each of the your brands at the PCA this year.
2: Yes, yes, we're using some of the peanut we you were going down there. Uh huh. Like
0: oh, so this know, is and Rania. I didn't realize that. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah some of that filler. Yeah, we, uh, coop. We don't mention the blends that much anymore because you know, FDA and all that kind of stuff. Right. So we, we try not be not give that many details. But yeah, that tobacco is something in it. You know, I, I think that, and just you know, anytime I mention other companies, because of uh, complete respect, because I, I, I right, do look right. up a lot of these brands. You know, what yeah. I do look up to, a company like Davidoff, right? That's that that survived such a long time. Not survived. That's thrived survive. such a long time, and the brand is so well well put together. Ashland's another really good brand. Brand is really put together. I said, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe I can make a Connecticut that people would enjoy as much as they enjoy those other cigars. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this cigar is not going to steal business from these guys. It's just I I want to offer somebody another choice. Sure. And yeah. I know Padron tried it with uh, I don't know, what is it, Tomaso? I forget the name. I don't know what the Tommaso, name. Tomaso. Yep. I know they tried. I don't know if they did it well or not. I don't don't track them that track them that way, but I'm sure it was a really good cigar. So we want to offer yet another option. So that's a cigar. Yeah, we just started shipping the CLE uh, PCAs, the Connecticuts, and we did Connecticut for CLE. Yep, and I really hope guys like it as much as you're liking it. It, it, It's really,
0: it's really. Look, I'm coming off a head cold, and this is my first smoke, but uh, I don't feel like anything's interfering with it. I feel like I'm getting all flavor and everything, so it's really good. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, now Aaron, Aaron's not smoking tonight, but um, uh, but he's like the Connecticut guy, so he he'll be the ultimate arbiter, I guess. Yep, I've already bought. I've already
1: bought mine, so I'm ready, yeah. ready to go. Yeah, yeah, bro. better say nice things, Aaron. Yep,
0: I'll try. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. No, so it's, it's <laughs> He doesn't say any nice things. <laughs> 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 no, so uh, but but yeah, so no, that I think that's a. Like I said, I think um, what I'll also say is. I've been a little critical of a lot of the PCA cigars. I think a few of us in the media have. This this was something when you introduced these cigars. I'm like these were these were like wow. This is the type of stuff I I want to see out of a PCA exclusive. That I go to the trade show and this is I'm getting something really unique. And and you definitely will be. I think this was a. I think it was you, you set a good bar with this Christian. And I'm not just saying that because you're on. That we've said it Thank before you. on this. This this was a great idea. I think you had to kind of work it like that.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Ah, look, at man, we're, we're doing... You know, the, idea of the PCA exclusives, right? I think it was a was 2021, you know, the trade show was... Yeah. I mean, listen, it was COVID, right? We, it was, we're coming out of COVID. Yeah, we're coming out of COVID. And, and there was so much for the... 20, already for the 2020 trade show, there was... You know, end of 2019, there was this whole scandal within the industry, round of if if, if everybody's aware. I'm sure they listen to you. They, they are. So, you know, these big companies left the trade show, so... And then 2020 gets canceled. Association was really at risk, just like anything else. Oh right? yeah. The
0: company, oh yeah. The
2: association that was that was, I mean, a, a big source of income comes from the trade show. So, uh, so 2021 comes around, big companies aren't there, and it happened. It really happened organically. Coop, I don't, I don't think there was a really a planned effort. And we all developed right. these PCA's because we wanted to reward retailers. You know what were we facing? We were facing obviously we saw the industry going up. But we 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 suffered a scare, and a lot of stores were closed for months. You know, yeah. weeks definitely. Everybody for weeks, and some people for months. So we wanted to make sure that if customers were going back to stores, that we delivered a good product. Because uh, you know, if the moment we see our retail and our cor- our corporate culture, right, the moment we see our stores as customers and not as partners, I think we're again we, we're using that business mentality, and it has mm-hmm. to be these guys. We have to work together with them. So we had to make a good product that was going to impress people Yep. and it worked out. And there was a tremendous amount of the products were embraced, not just ours, but other manufacturers too, that came out PCA exclusives, they embraced them. And so we kept it going 21, 22, and now 23, of course. And then, um, I'm already working on 2024, which is, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, amazing what I'm working on. Just, uh, just want to get it finished. Hopefully I can get it done in time, but, um, yeah. To be a good product. I have to impress them. So this year, you know, we do the box. You, you take you take the lid off and the lid turns into an asterisk. Yeah, yeah. The, the purpose for that is I want it to be like a gift cigar. You go to somebody's house. Hey, here's a gift. Because you know how many times I got a good friend of mine here. I always take cigars to, for him as a gift. And he says, oh, thank you. He puts them away in his office. So last time I go, listen, bro. Don't put them away. Bring them out. The whole point for me to bring cigars is for all of us to smoke the cigars that I just brought you. So I wanted to be these cigars should be like the perfect party cigar that you bring in. So we did the um we did the eight oh and we also did the asylum. But C L E was the first year we did C L E this year.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and this is the first year you you did a Connecticut because you were doing like Maduro and Carajos with those beforehand. So yeah, I like think I said it's it's re- like I said, it's really good. I, I actually am digging the the baby blue the baby blue band too on here. It's actually kinda cool.
2: It was funny. It, it was, uh, we have this group chat with all the, all the salespeople are in it. And again, Rupert presents this blue color to me. I said, why would CLE be blue? Mm-hmm. And he goes, Duke, CLE is blue. I go, no, it's not. And then I post in the group, hey guys, what color do you, does everybody here associate CLE with? Man, all the salespeople said blue. Really?
4: <laughs> oh,
2: man. I never, I don't know, man. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from, but that, that's, that's the way it went. So now it's uh I guess the only blue.
0: <laughs> that that's that's nice too. Uh
2: although's although called the it's a boy cigar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is is the plan that this these tobaccos you're getting out of South America, they're gonna continue to be small batch? Will we see some regular production stuff? What 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 is kind of the thinking going down the line with this?
2: No, no, it's regular production stuff. You know, we're we're ramping up. A hey, um uh, tobacco has obviously there's there's a tremendous lag, right? You you mm-hmm. grow it. Yeah, yeah. Ferment it. You have to do all these things. In this town we're in now, we're, we're actually now going through the very slow process of training people how to well strip tobacco. All we got was filler now, but then we're going to teach you how to sort tobacco, store tobacco, ferment tobacco. So we got all these things going on. So we just after two years, two and a half years, we just started using some of that tobacco three weeks ago. All right. So so it's a two year lag. So two years from now, you should start seeing. A lot a big chunk of our production will be for tobacco from, from South America and the stuff we're growing out of out of uh Honduras as well. Mm-hmm. You know, able to you know, right now we're buying tobacco from, from from other other sources. Good partners, you know, people take care of us. So we want to keep those those guys. You know, there was there was a mentality I I remember in the Camacho days, I think we were using up to like thirty seven different types of tobaccos. Thirty seven. Wow. Well you look know, real successful companies that make cigars. You know, I, I bet you I don't know anything about their business, right? But I bet you Fuente doesn't use more than 10 varieties. You know, and, and he makes a tremendous amount of production. Yeah. So if you're gonna be those really, really successful companies, you just use you you limit what you're doing. So we're trying to do the same thing. We want to be we want to be marksmen. We don't want to shoot shotguns. You know, we're not, not right. hunting duck hunting. So um yeah, I want I want to narrow it down to two or three suppliers plus
0: our stuff. And um yeah, but South Americans will be a big chunk of what we're doing. Nice, nice. Um, another release that you did before the trade you talked about was the Censorium, and that was the first one that used the Pinolero. Uh, sorry, the, I said it wrong.
2: Say it slowly. Say it slowly.
0: Uh, P- P- Pina Pina. Reino. Reino. Hey, there you go. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, anyways, I do. I corrected myself and my my, but um, so that was a really that was a very ultra premium cigar that you guys released. Yeah. And um you guys took a really interesting approach. I thought, because I've talked to a couple of retailers, you guys, you and Tom kind of went on a tour with the retailers to kind of introduce this cigar. Um, Talk about like why, why you went with that approach. I thought it was a great approach,
3: by the way, because I, I heard good feedback about this.
2: Oh, thank you. Hey, you know, all right. So when, when, when you see our cigars, I don't use cellophane. I like using the tissue, right? And because I think cigars need to marry each other. Yeah. Tissue bottom. So, And one thing that added yes, we used the we used the Piadena tobacco on the on the sensorium. You know, we also the package was a little different, you know, instead of the box like this or a lay like that. Yep. But there was something about that, which we also hand selected the wood we used to make those coffins. So when you open up that, that box, the whole thing, the whole thing about this tour and everything was to show people how to open up just the edge. Maybe it's just me being crazy, but just opening up a little bit of, of that, that little coffin and have people smell that cigar, have, have them smell the coffin and the cigar and the tobacco, everything, what, what cedar and tobacco do to each other mm-hmm. and why it adds to the flavor of that cigar. Because tobacco will absorb any, anything that's around it, right? Any smell. Yeah. And I think cedar adds to that too. And what I like about the cigar, which I hate about our business now, and I understand business has to be done this way, I hate the fact that in stores, boxes are open. So I like about like the Asylum 11 or 12 or whatever, whatever number we're in this year is that they're in inside those coffers. So cigars will hold forever. And you can give that to somebody, I think will hold in 20, 20, or 30 years. A cigar will be fine. You know? Yeah. And it'll taste al- almost like new. Obviously, right. property and everything, right? Keeping, keeping your glove compartment is not going to taste that much. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's just the product can't just be the product, Coop. There has to be the way you present the product, where you right. deliver the product. If you go to a store to buy a Rolex, they don't give you a little velvet bag, right? It just comes in a nice box. Yeah. Yeah. You get the gloves on, and they do the whole show.
0: Right, right. No, like, I, I, I get that too. Um, was there a reason why? Like, because this was, I want to say this is probably the most expensive cigar on the CLE. The umbrella you've done There's a reason why you decided to go with Asylum Which has kind of been for the most practical purposes For the most part, the everyday man's cigar So I was just kind of curious why it went under Asylum What was the logic with that one? There was a a kid that Every time I go to Honduras He'll send me a message Say,
2: hey, I want to work with you I'm a designer, but the guy's based out of Danley And every time I go down there It's just a two day trip And I'm always doing other things you know, looking at a designer was the last thing. I, but man, I flaked on this kid like three or four times. So finally, say, "Hey, dude, all right, I you, Come on in." And the guy sits in front of me. Says, "Look, I don't want to talk. I just want to show you something." Dude, he opens up his portfolio, and his first picture was a sensorium, because he really wanted to do something. It was, it, it was, um, it was going to be supposed to be like it was supposed to be an NFT, right? Sensorium originally, and but you know, at, at that point. By the time we we got to it, there were rumblings that Lito was trying to do something, so I, I stayed away from it. And you know, I hate I hate doing something other people have done. Right, I, I get that. Yeah. So it was like a year before before uh, Lido was doing his thing. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna do the same thing. It's just silly, you know. So, but I, I couldn't get this idea out of my head. And then I said, all right, and I hired the kid because of that. I said, bro, I need you to reproduce that same box. I need you because he. he you know, he worked in in manufacturing right. Spain before he moved back to Honduras. Because I was like, dude, there's no way that guy can reproduce exactly what's on that computer. I said, bro, make me that box. Coop, he made the box just like the image. I mean, that thing looks identical. Wow. It's this bitch, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. So anyway, I hired <laughs> the kid. He, um, matter of fact, we're doing some some stuff that you'll see hopefully at the trade show. It'll we'll be ready. That's what I'm. That's what I made me for. I actually took a trip with him to Switzerland to to visit. This one place and Madrid to visit some other place, just because I, I you know, him and I, we got to think, and I, you know, he's gonna help me get the ideas I have in my head out. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, re- really creative. So that's what we went with some because it's something that he produced. I want to see if he could produce it in in vivid form. And I like, said, right, yeah, man, everything everything came out exactly how he designed it.
3: Better. Yep, that's a, yeah, it. Yeah, it came out really beautiful. I um." Oh, that's excellent um and um and that's an
0: ongoing again uh, like you said it's a, that's an ongoing thing right you you, because you don't do one and done's, right you don't really do a one and done I'm uh, doing next year I, i'm not sure yet okay I,
2: I uh it's not yes it's not no it just it just happens coop sometimes i i, I, I want to do them sometimes i'm in the mood to do them and sometimes <laughs> i'm not right right do it next year okay I'm not sure okay. okay yeah maybe maybe it's something else i don't know yep just uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wish I had the answer for you, but I, I don't.
0: No, that's fair. That's an honest answer. That's an honest answer. Um, but you're doing a lot. Of, there's a lot of things going on with Asylum as well because you, you you've introduced the Eight Six Sevens, the Cool Brews. So so you have these like kind of um, enhanced cigars. Um, and it, you know, but I kind of you know, is there any? like, Obviously, FDA is all over this stuff right now. But you you kind of going on the market with this. So kind of what's what's kind of what are you kind of thinking with that right now?
2: Well, th- that project was developed by uh, by uh, what's it called, uh, Wild Bill Over yep. in hmm bridging the product was going to be called Deadwood Tobacco, right? Right. And chasing the dragon and, and uh, whatever, Auntie, and he's got those crazy names, right? So, you know, when when we were getting closer to coming to market, you know, I had a I called the the folks over at Drew say and said, "Hey guys, let's let's see what the rules of the game are." And and obviously there was there was some some matters that had to be discussed. Right. So okay, let's back out. You know, I, I have to say they were extremely nice. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very pleasant. It was, it was extremely friendly. Everything was extremely right. friendly until it didn't get friendly, but, you know, but at least as far as we were concerned we're both, both sides, everything was kosher. And right. you know, sometimes you need a third party to help you to help decide. Right. So the, the, right. it's a referee. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a lawsuit. I think it's more like a referee. What they're Right. Right. To a mediator or something like that. Yeah. Yeah I, I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly what the process is going to be, so I don't. I stay out of it because I don't want to know too much, right? Right. But, right. <laughs> so we say, you know, Tom really likes these blends. You know, Tom is uh, has Tom has a really good feel for that brand for right. Asylum, and he really likes the products that that they they're, that, that they came up with. And uh, I think November we start shipping the first first batches of those products. Yeah, FDA is all over it. We don't know what's going to happen with that, but you know. People wanna. People wanna try them. They want to try something different and, and a different interpretation of, of 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 an idea. Yeah you know, and they came up with these crazy flavors I don't even know what the hell I don't know what the, the aromas are called. So um <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I just sometimes I, I have to admit that I don't know, and I just kind of step back and enjoy the show, man. Right. Let these guys go. I mean that there are crazier than I am. Yeah. And I don't know if Tom is all
3: <laughs> totally totally understood totally understood that's uh yeah I, I
0: was like that cool Brew I really like the packaging on that one too that that uh that blue and black was really cool bro,
2: I think I was um this kid Raul that came up with that 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 color for the uh I don't know if it was Raul or Tom that came up with it man but I'm telling you man Tom, Tom is such a good feel for that brand mm-hmm. even for a sign very beginning
3: yeah
2: I I if Tom hadn't been with me out would, sign wouldn't be what it is I can tell you that it's amazing. Right. So uh, I mean the guy the guy really understands the brand. So whatever whenever it comes to that brand, I say yes to whatever he wants.
0: Yeah. Ninety nine of the time. Right, nice. So so you're not you guys aren't gonna make the hundred and ten ring gauge cigar though, right? Dude,
2: that is the dumbest, dumbest <laughs> why that my company has it in for Tom. I mean I can assume why, but I mean it's this. I, I think hatred. So what I might do, just jab in the eye. <laughs> I, one hundred point one by ten. <laughs> you it. It's so silly, man. <laughs> but whatever. I think it's fun. I mean, to, to to be in somebody's head like that is is actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my no. no, that, that ninety was tough to smoke, Christian. I gotta be honest. I have smoked it. It's tough. It's it's big. I'll <laughs> tell you that.
2: What on Instagram? Smoking one with Shorty. Did you ever see it? Shorty Rossi.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you trace I put it up on the inst- on, on Instagram. That was hilarious. Dude, I couldn't stop. i think <laughs> hard. I think it's huge. I think that's the only one. You know the I and I even say on the video, just getting just lighting the cigar. You already feel like you smoked a 50 by five. There's so much thing that was the same as two seventy by sevens.
3: That's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Dude, but the, you don't know how much a cigar sells. Oh, I uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> And worldwide, had, when it first
0: came out I couldn't get it. It was the second. I had to wait for the second batch to come before I was able to to procure it. And I had a retailer basically promise to put a put put a couple aside for me. That's that's what happened.
2: That's so silly. Man. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. That's
2: what I know. I'm happy it came out and, and it's fun. Yeah. So then you guys came out with a hundred by ten. Oh my god, cheese and crackers. So I might do one times ten point one. Ten point one. 10. 1. I, <laughs> I might do it just do it. I, uh, I want to have fun, you know. And I actually—I uh, don't think I ever met him. I don't think I've ever, I ever—I don't th- whatever the, the president or whatever. And I don't think I ever met the guy. And I called somebody that day. I go, well, let's 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 have kind of lunch, man. Let's see what's going on.
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to. start.
2: You tell me, man. Whenever you want.
3: <laughs> Super
0: nice. No, I just think I know, think to, it, I know I really Tom think- was pretty. Tom was pretty like cool, but like he was like he. I know him and Terrence were kind of like you know having some friendly banter about it. So, I mean, I know those two guys were okay. Yeah, But yeah, I understand there's things that happen sometimes with that too above those. so
2: Terrence is one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's such a nice guy, man. Yeah. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I mean, a lot of people there, man.
3: Right. right.
2: Yeah, you know, palm, they Palms with him now. Very nice guy. Yep, Dave. I
0: know Dave for a long time. He's our he's our guy here, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, was you, he was with you guys for a while too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Fabian's yep. with
2: him. Oh, nice, man. I like them all. I yep. like them all. I think, yep. I think actually, If we got together, we could actually have some fun with this project.
3: I agree. I agree. (laughs) I agree. I I like all the. Tom says
0: the
1: one (laughs) thirty by thirteen is the next one. Yeah, I know that shit. (laughs) It makes it makes sense though. It makes sense. You know why Tom says that? Because he's not at the factory. That's right. (laughs) I can't imagine how you have to put something like that together. Have
2: to tell everybody all that thing, man. It's not gonna be me either, but you know, someone's gonna have to tell him, and, so, and someone's gonna have to give the order. So I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want
0: to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he he has been telling me that. Man, we got thirty. It's gonna. 30. It's gonna sell. It's gonna sell. I'm telling you, it's gonna sell. I'm, I'm. telling you, it's gonna sell.
2: I hope he's listening to this thing, man, because he's gonna be. He's gonna call me over. Hey, man, you know. See,
0: see, coop, coop's thing is gonna. Coop says he's gonna sell, so he's gonna sell. <laughs> I I like, but the, the, but the 90 was too big for, I gotta be honest. It was just a little too big for me to smoke that. I gotta be honest. It was, it was a fun smoke. Don't remember. It was just a little too big. Uh, my wife says I have a big mouth, but it wasn't big enough. I guess. So, uh, so no, all all good there. Um, you, you mentioned the trade show. Uh, so Christian, you have been, um, you have in the last, you're now on the board of the PCA, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, uh, couple of things um i'll just ask you a couple of questions because i think you've probably been involved with some of the decision making that's been happening um yes you know, so i'll ask you the, the uh, blue Curry question how, how do you feel about the trade show move to the spring did you support is that something you supported yes you think it's gonna yeah. work okay
2: any for decades i'm telling you for decades everybody's been talking about how
3: because
0: the july
2: trade show is always the the, the cheapest we could find because we're not a very wealthy industry right mm-hmm. so and July seemed to be the time that Vegas is the slowest, mm-hmm. and Vegas would take us in. And by the time a lot of people would ship, you know, first in the night when the cigar boom came, came, we were so far behind in, in shipping products that by the time the cigars would ship, people would order. You know, the trace would be late July or August. By the time cigars would ship, it would be October, November before they were driving in stores. So stores were like, "Hey, man, the season's almost over. I can't be receiving cigars December 15th. Right. Yeah. It's not good for us. Right. So by moving the trade show to March or the first quarter or whatever, that Easter time, first quarter, and the first quarter, beginning of second quarter, it allows us to be able to ship the product to customers. Because Cigar Business is, is a perfect bell car, right? It starts, season opens in April and it goes back down in October. Yeah. So now it allows us to go into the trade show to ship products, right? You know, imagine now shipping products May, June, they hit stores right when stores are rocking that's when everything's open that's where we, where where customers tend to buy cigars a lot more than consumers and uh so we hit this we don't you know by hitting the hitting the industry after the season's over we weren't helping us ourselves right. that much and um you know there's never a perfect time it's always a very hard thing for for us to decide but I think that that was pretty decided and the feedback I think has been So far, I I can honestly tell you in all my years of being involved on the board or off the board or or whatever, I've never not heard anything negative about something. I think this is the first time that no one's complained. I think this is the first time. So if you have to complain, it'll be the first one.
0: So here, here, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I was at the uh, opening day of PCA when they had uh, you know, they did the seminars and all that stuff. And when Scott Pierce made the announcement about the trade show going to the spring? Standing ovation from everyone in really? the audience. Yeah, yes. man. I never New heard or- that. Okay. New Orleans didn't go quite as well. I'll be honest with you. New Orleans <laughs> wasn't quite as well, but there was no bullying, is what I'll say. New Orleans was kind of lukewarm, is what I'll just say with that one. Listen, Cooper, I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you one thing about New Orleans. Uh-huh. We did. You
2: know, I don't know if yeah. you get the circle. When we started, when New Orleans became a subject and March, April, So I remember we did, and I helped. Scott Pierce designed like four mil. Uh, what's it called? Uh, survey Chimp, uh, Survey Monkey. right, Survey Sorry, Monkey.
3: Yeah. And
2: all right, bro, let's see. And, and the options, and they kept coming in overwhelmingly. First or whatever, Spring New Orleans. I said, dude, no, man, you asked the question wrong. Pierce, let's change. It has to be Spring <laughs> Las Vegas. I'm telling you, we tried different ways and kept coming back Spring New Orleans. I said, dude, this is wrong. So, uh, no, man, but uh, w- anyway, the 200 people that kept responding, maybe it was the same guy responding 200 times, but that dude kept saying New Orleans in the spring. So, <laughs> no, man, back that now. And I, listen, I agree with you. My wife agrees with you. It, you know, she was on fire. What? New Orleans? Of course, we've only been to New Orleans in the summer, so
3: yeah.
0: New- the spring, I hear, is
2: awesome.
3: Yeah, You know. But- Orleans
0: in the summers at different New Orleans, yeah. Our guy Ben from the Coop team is a New Orleans guy, so he's he's happy about it. He says, No, it's gonna be good. He's like, Don't worry about it. So, so I'm gonna trust yeah. him on that. Yeah, but but it was it wasn't quite the reaction that the, the like I said, the spring move was pretty exciting, is what I'll say. This in New Orleans just wasn't as well received, but I, I also think you guys, as a board and, and the executive staff. I have a lot more confidence in, in the last few years that okay, if it's going to go to New Orleans, I think you guys going to make a really good experience from it. So I think you guys deserve a chance to put it on there. It, it would be my fe- my personal feeling that.
2: I appreciate that, I man. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really, really professional the way it's run. I think Scott Pierce is a good addition. I think um, you know, and I criticized the way that they do not Scott Pierce, but I criticized you know they got this thing you start of a secretary and start moving up. I still don't understand the way it works, but anyway, so you got you got to be in in the thing, and then you start you start getting promoted up every, every year. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah. It's like, a, they wrote it, You'd start on the board and then it's like a 12 year cycle or something like that. Every two years you move up. Right? Yeah. 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 As if, but, but I see how,
2: how active all these guys and girls are on that board. Cooper's a lot of work, man. And a lot of work is done by the board members too. And they, they, um, new guys like Scott Regina and the guys on the executive board, on the second, whatever. That's what that, well, this is such a complex thing. I don't fully understand it yet, but it's hours and hours every week. I yeah. bet you they're, Doing ten or fifteen hours a week, on top of running their businesses, yeah. you know, dealing with uh, board stuff. We're very active, very engaged, and, um, and listen. I'm happy with where it is. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Otherwise, I'll we denying that I even know who they are? I go, what the fuck? I was months so maybe I met them. I don't know.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, good.
0: So a- another thing that you were kind of in the middle of a few years ago. And I know you were a big supporter of this um, with CigarCon. And yeah, CigarCon like, obviously didn't work out. What went wrong with CigarCon, in your, your opinion? Because you, you were very much behind that. I, re- I remember you were up on the stage and everything when that happened.
2: I, I think the messaging was wrong. I don't. First of all, the association went through so many years of distrust from, from the membership as a whole, right? Right. You know, we, we've gone through two or three. They had gone to two or three directors in five or six years and and just what people didn't trust what was going on. The industry was in disarray. Look at the, I think we can say that the, that the 20 teens were the worst years for the association as far as people trusting and whatever, you know, I don't know when it started, but definitely 2017, 18, 19, people weren't, weren't very happy about it. So when we talked about cigar con, it was very poorly, uh, very, I don't think the planning was wrong, but it was poorly announced or poorly messaged. And it just, I don't, I don't think that they were, all right. Let me put it this way. If we pulled off, let's say the March move works really well. And if at that point the PCA said, you know what, next year, we're going to do a, a cigar con. The support would have been a lot better because there'll be a lot more trust. Right. Oh, you know, you can't, you can't put it back in the donkey. Right. Yeah. So I don't think we can bring that subject up again It's finished. And also internally, you know, there are some people that work for, for a couple of larger companies that were on the board were part of the decision. Then when management found out, said no, 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 that that don't represent us, and, and they kind of backtracked. So it was ah, listen, it was it was a fiasco. Yeah, yeah. Fiasco. But now it's a different story. Association is, is on the right track. They've had three really, really good years and very organized, and you know, they 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 really they did a good job, man.
0: And then now now this year, and I don't know how you feel about, but you have three of the four big big companies back, so that's something. I mean, um, you look I at love- it, you gotta look at yeah. it as positive or negative. I don't know how you look at it, but but I, I mean for the organization, I think it's positive. I don't know how you feel personally about it, but yeah.
2: No, listen. I, no, I I think it's as a business is good, man. I think it's going to attract more people. And That's the other thing, All right? So, we'll kill the trade show. What really killed the show and those like, guy named Bill Fader, I don't know if you ever met him, Coop, but he, he's he's probably before your time, 90s. And and uh, I mean, I think Bill Fader was there from the 80s. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't but remember him. Yeah. He ran that thing with Iron Fist. Iron Fist. So I remember when industry after the boom, when people industry started becoming more corporate. He used to send out these notes and said, please, you know, we need to protect the trade show. So don't offer specials or deals before the trade show. Right. So what ended up happening eventually was all these companies started offering deals before the trade show. So if you're a, a small retail store and, you know, getting to the trade show is an expensive proposition. You know, if you're if, if you're a retail store, that person invests easily five to six thousand dollars to go to that trade show because it's not just the hotel and airfare and the meals, but it's also hiring somebody at your store or making sure this guy can cover for you and, and picking that guy up and working different hours. So there's a tremendous amount of agita for a guy to go to a trade show. So if, if the deals were being at, were delivered at the front step before the trade show, there was no incentive to go. By moving the trade show to the first quarter, I think we eliminated a lot, a lot of that also. And we bring people to the trade show. And that way we're able to present the products that we really wanna sell into the marketplace. And, and, you know, there's, we are a social industry. We do need, we contact each other and we learn a lot from each other when we're together. So I think that's going to help us attract a lot more, uh, more people to come to the trade show.
3: Agre- I agree with you on that. So I, agree, so
2: yeah. I, I like the, the fact that big companies are there. I don't think they're going to have that much pressure to discount the product before the trade show anymore. Also, um, I think the draw for us, I think we all learn from them too. You know, no matter how much we, we want to criticize the big guys. They got big for a reason, man. They know what they're doing.
3: Yeah. No, that's true. That's really true. Aaron, anything on the branding? We've hit some of the uh lighter questions. Yeah. I think I think
1: we're good.
0: Okay. So Christian, uh, we're gonna wrap up with some lighter, lighter questions for you. Um, um, so these this first one we call this our this is our Florida Sun Grown Beef question. And it's brought to you by FSG Tobacco. And this is a question about beef, meat. And I want to know the best steakhouse you've been to.
2: Bro, it belongs to a competitor, man. And we were just talking about it. Saga so- <laughs> Santiago. Which now, well, pe- Saga.
0: I am I'm, I'm in. I, I love that place. <laughs> bro, the tomahawk. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it's I call it the best I call it the best steakhouse on the planet. I agree. I've said The tomahawk, yeah.
2: I'm a listen, bro. I'm a competitor, right? I'm a competitor. If it's a spinning contest, I'm there. You know, if right. if we're walking, I start walking a little faster. Right. Just like up around horses and horse. And I was talking to David Perez the other day from ASP, you know, the, the rapper guy, mm-hmm. And Saga, whatever he goes, Christian. I don't want to tell you who owns it because you may not go there anymore. You're not gonna like it. I go, listen, David, you could tell me Lucifer owns that place.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's Fufi Reyes. I go, okay. I did not know. It was Lucifer's nephew. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Just I, I met Fufu a couple of times. He's always a nice guy. He's I very nice. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, bro. I don't care. I'll still keep, <laughs> I'll still keep going. It's awesome.
0: That that yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, um, when I go to Pro Cigar, I have to plan the, my trip to make sure I get in early enough to get a night at, at, at Saga. It is is absolutely yeah. tell television. Yeah. Uh, it's it's absolutely, the, and the bill I ran up there last time was was uh, I'm sure I helped I'm sure I helped them out a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> so really good, really good. All right. So Christian, this next question. Uh this is what we call the ties that bind. Uh, it's brought to you by Tobacco RSA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging room Cigars. Tobacco ASA, great things are happening here. So Christian, I'm gonna name to you three things. And you just got to tell me what all three of these things have in common. This one, maybe this one, Aaron doesn't know the answer to this, by the way, either. Um, But if you need some hints along the way, I will give that to you. Right. You, You ready for the three things? Go ahead. All right. Air transportation is the first one. The second one is both radio
3: and television. And the third thing is banking. I don't know, man. Expensive fly airplanes
2: and talking on the
3: phone. They have have a little more in
0: common than that. So you have uh, air air transportation, radio, intelligence, and banking. And the thing they have in common, I'm sure, gives them all fits at the end of the
3: day. I give up, man. I don't know. They're all regulated by agencies The Ah. the FAA, the Federal
0: Reserve, and the FCC.
2: Mm-hmm. That's such a downer, coop. What's wrong with you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Doesn't matter. With you. All right, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna um for the final part. Goer, um, bro. Coop, coop's fired. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some fun questions. He's got some fun questions coming up. All right, so this is this is a good this is a good one, Christian. Right, this is why I promise you it will be good. Right, this is our Alec like, and Aaron. I'm gonna go right into this because like, yep, I, gotta, sure. I gotta preserve my voice a bit. Um. This is our um, Alec Bradley Live True segment brought to you by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars live true. So, Christian, this is kind of an off-the-beat topic. Again, kind of off off cigars tonight. And there's two things I wanted to talk to you about in this topic. Because uh, I'll tell you what the two things are. first one is flying airplanes because I know you're a pilot. And the second thing is baseball, because I know your sons are involved with baseball. So I want to just kind of hit, hit you with a couple of those as we close out. So, Christian, Sorry. how did you, had, I, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that you, you're a pilot, because again, I, I, I talk to you about travels. You talk a lot about travel. So, but when did you start flying planes? Uh,
2: June 1994. I was in college and you I, I was trying to piss off my dad, because my dad has mm-hmm. an airplane accident and airplanes. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, oh, yeah, I was like wondering about that. Yeah.
2: We go through a rebellious stage, you know, when we we're growing up, and, yeah. and uh, we're rebelling. That skydiving and doing all the scuba diving, all kinds of stupid crap. So, uh yeah, man. So I fly. I started flying just to piss him off, and I loved it, man. You know, I liked it that much. I've been doing thirty years now, twenty
0: nine. Right. Um. How, how long does it take to get a like a pilot's license? Like, I'm not really familiar with it at all.
2: Well, We need about, you know, legally forty hours. Normally, people do it like forty five to fifty hours. Right. And you're done. I mean, if you do it full time, you're getting done in three weeks. But normally, for you to assimilate everything, uh, it'll probably take about a good month and a half, two months.
0: It's, it's just, I mean, man, I, I just seem like I know people who can't drive 50, like get a driver's license with 50 hours. That's <laughs> why I, I, and I've heard things about it. It's like, oh, you fucking do that. Wow. I'm like, i because I just, I know people can't even drive a car or get a license with that. So, <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually excited. I think my, one of my, uh, youngest sons on Sunday, I was going to do his first, First discovery. It's called a discovery flight. When you go the first time, I think on Sunday. I'm going to schedule something for him, and he wants to go up and do it. Right, right. It, so you, and you have you have a plane, right? Yeah, we have we have one now. We have a little old uh, Citation. You know, think of it as as a, as your uncle's F-150. They're cheap, <laughs> reliable, on, They get you everywhere, and and these things don't break, man. They're so so
0: good. I, I saw I saw a picture. You took Gabriel in there, right? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Gabriel with a picture of that. Uh, that's that's good. Do you, so do you when you fly? Do you fly? Do you, do you do all your flying, or do you ever fly? Do you fly commercial, or do you just strictly fly your plane wherever you have to go? Well,
2: listen. I keep kind of a imagine a uh, imagine a uh the square is like I, I usually I go to New Hampshire, you know, rarely once a year to, to Dave's thing. I mean, this mm-hmm. year we. Commercial, because sometimes tickets are two hundred bucks. Like if I have to go to different places within the U.S., you know, I'll probably fly there. So if it's pretty much Virginia and and Texas, you know that that's where I usually mm-hmm. fly myself. And of oh. course, Honduras by myself and and uh, Central America. But if it's already west of Texas, I won't do it. It's okay, air you know commercial is so much cheaper. You know what happens is, especially on the East Coast. Cigar stores usually aren't in the expensive cities. You know, they're in the smaller towns. Right. And t- yeah days. It's really a, it's really a pain to do it sometimes because you lose so much time. And and you know, we got you know, this this year I'll be on the road 43 weeks, man. For, I, wow. I still have we're at the end of October, I still have four trips left this year. Wow. Which is um like I, I like I could reach platinum <laughs> with the trips that I have coming up the next three <laughs> right. right. And, and th- yeah, next three or four trips that I have. So you know, for me, being home and getting around is, is very important because, you know, I'm, I'm a one-man guy, right? Yeah. You, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Of course, Tom's involved, but Tom, Tom's not in the manufacturing side. He's not on the growing side. He's, he's more on the sales side. And, thank, and, and you know, thank goodness for him because he takes yeah. off a lot. Of, he takes a bunch of it. And he's also my shrink, too. Yeah. Whenever I grab today, he got a phone call, right? So whenever whenever I, I start spinning out and start going nuts about stuff, you know, he gets a phone call. You go, okay, let's talk. <laughs> no, but you, you just gotta be uh, you gotta be able to be mobile and get back and forth. Right. You know, right. We, you know, and we start developing the company even more. I can bring more people in and, and at that point I won't I won't even make gold on American Airlines, hopefully.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Christian, Chris, you have this plane, right? I obviously you have it somewhere in Miami where you keep it, right? Mm-hmm. So here, here's my – I never asked this question. I'm kind of curious. So you're making a trip, let's say, to go see Dave up in New Hampshire, right? hmm What arrangements do you have to make? Like, okay, you're going to take this plane up there. You have to inform the other airport. What goes on with that, and, and what are types of costs do you incur? I mean, you don't have to tell me the specific dollar amount. Are they, are they significant costs when you do this? I'm kind of curious how that all works.
2: No. So you, you are – you could be sitting in the airplane, fly a flight plane right there. Right. So there's no, and, and, you know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to let the airport know you're showing up. Okay. Internet, there's one extra step, so it's not that hard, really. Only right. when you're coming, you come back, you got to fill out some forms. and But it's all electronic. It's very, very simple to do. Okay. And the costs are not that expensive, you know, to, to operate this thing. Because I fly it. Like, if I didn't fly, it would be a lot more expensive. Right. But from the time I used to fly only commercial, owning this thing is only about 25000 $30,000 more a year. Than oh, flying, wow,
0: okay. Well,
2: you know, and, and you know, it was Bob France by a guy who was to, used to own Thompson Cigar who told me that, um, you either give the money to the government or you spend it on yourself because uh, you depreciate 100% of it, so it's all depreciable. So the government pays for a big chunk of it, so it's wow. very, uh, very, very uh, yeah, listen, if you don't fly, I can see the cost being a lot more. You know, pilots are 130, 150 thousand bucks, and most yeah. airplanes, have two of them, so now you have 300,000 fixed expenses a year that hurts you know me i'm the only pilot and you know bring some co pilots with me on longer trips but it's just it's always just me
0: so so when you land let's say in new hampshire right th- like there's a place you keep the airplane right so is there ever a, a situation where maybe they run out of room or something i'm just kind of curious how that works
2: yeah l- l- listen let's say you had the super bowl going on right you would have a problem and still they'll find a place for you okay and there are airports you kind of, you tend to avoid. You know, I I won't, you won't find me going into Teterboro, which is the, the private airport from New York, right? The New York area, just crazy expensive. And you get these, um, you know, you get the fuel programs. That's the other thing. When, when you're the owner, the OO, the owner operator, you tend to find the best pricing. So I'll get, I get fuel, you know, four or $5 cheaper a gallon than what the average guy would do. Because a lot of the professional pilots, they, they go to the nice, FBOs, they take care of them. They get gift cards. Me, I go to the clunky one, man. You <laughs> go, you're, you're lucky if there's toilet paper in the bathroom. The place out there, but But uh, you know, it won't be the nicest lobby. It won't be anything. But they'll take good care of you and. And they're taking care of the airplane, which is what matters. That's cool.
0: And, and the last question I have on this air, air, airplane thing is, um, a well, pilot thing is: Where's the coolest place you've flown, flown to? Like some place exo- any place cool that you've? T- and you said you, you normally don't, don't go far except the Honduras, but is there any place kind of different you've flown to once?
2: Oh yeah, man. Well, Telusi Galpa for sure. Uh-huh. That's my favorite to go into. Now, have you ever mm-hmm. gone You ever go with us? Cooper taking When you open up, when you get to see it from the front. It's a whole different experience.
0: <laughs> I wasn't a. By the way, I heard the stories. I've been there twice, and I and I did not have. And I'm I'm a little tense flying. I was fine with it. It wasn't that bad. I mean, what the pilot I must have had was really good. Uh no,
2: that, yeah, it's it, it, mountain sense, and then the run was a little longer. Yeah. So, but it's still, it's still a challenging upper to go into. It. And I love landing in the Bahamas. The nice. Bahamas, mm-hmm. is my favorite man. It's always so beautiful and clean. You know, La Romana, flying into La Romana, and the service is fantastic. Always take good care. It was. Just, Beautiful, beautiful place to go to. So all in all, man. I mean,
3: just about. I think Toluca was is the opposite coolest airport I go into because it's very challenging. Oh yeah, it's, just, it's that whole mountain there, right? And, yeah,
0: yeah. That that's cool. That, that's cool. Um, and then the other thing, you know, baseball, Christian. Um, I know your boys have been heavily involved with baseball. Are you? Are you a baseball like guy? Do you follow the history of baseball? or Anything like that? No, listen. I, I, when
2: Christian was playing. I wouldn't know anything about the pros, but ask me about the, all the high school kids and college play. I know uh-huh. everybody was going on, but you know, you know, Christian, uh, you know, he, he, he retired last year. He didn't want to play anymore. he didn't want to go in the draft. He just said that and done. I don't want to go. Are you sure? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money kid. He goes, no, I don't want to do it. I'm done. Yeah. So heartbreaking. So I'm, I'm angry with a dumb sport. You guys started off talking about baseball. I'm thinking here, I'm, Just I'm <laughs> ang-. but, uh, Oh, listen, I loved it, man. It was, it was, um, I kept telling you, that's, that's where I found real joy. You know, those summers with him and traveling, you know, we'd start Memorial Day weekend. And I, I would sit there, usually in right field, light up a cigar, no one would bother you, so cigar friendly. And I would just watch him play. And I, I loved it, man. It was the best time watching him go through his thing. And then, uh, he would play, play ball in college. He went D1. And and then one day he said he was done. Oh, okay. no. You know, he walked away. So, um, but yeah, but I I I love it. It was it was a lot of fun. You know, I met a lot of the pro guys, man. You become like friendly with them, and and you smoke with them. You know, um, uh, Mike Lowe was our neighbor in Bimini. Oh, nice. You know, I don't remember. Third Spent a lot of time with David Ortiz, hanging out with him, and and uh, a lot of these guys that, that you hear about, you meet them. They're, they're nice guys, man. Really, really nice guy, enjoyable to spend time with. And uh, but you know, I
0: don't, I don't talk to any of those people anymore because I get reminded. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's good that's good all right hey christian we're i want to thank you very much uh for taking the time always great talking to you and uh just just uh Thanks. so we really do appreciate the time here tonight yeah. um and look i hopefully i'll see you before the trade show but if not i look forward to seeing you at the trade was, show. yeah Cooper,
2: and thank you man and, th- and th- i appreciate you letting us or letting me tell the story you know a cigar represents so much more than just the product it's, it's not it's not a pair of shoes. It's not Coca-Cola. I mean, there, there's so there's so much behind it, you know, and uh, and we try to do things to make things better. And, you know, for example, you know, we, we, and I'll make it fast. You know, you know, Bayer, uh-huh. we, we got yep. the farm. is zero impacting the environment. You know, we, our factory now we're 54% solar because so I'm trying to be a lot more um, trying to protect a lot more. And you know, one thing also when you like, one thing you'll notice about our cigars also, all the water we use, even the tobacco from that my dad's processing it and over there in, in uh, Hamastron, in our, fa- in our factory, everything is reverse osmosis. So we eliminate all the minerals from the water. You know, we're, we're 99% hygienic in the operation. And now we're starting, you know, I like touched on the water problem earlier. You know, we're starting um, rain recollection, recollection system. Oh, nice. After the solar, we're doing rain recollection. I don't know how much water we're going to accumulate. I don't know how it's going to work. But uh, we got a lot of building. We have two city blocks with a roof. So we're going to see how much water we can recollect out of that. and see how much further we can take, and we start, one of the new farms we open in Honduras is in a 5,000 acre a uh, forest, so we're going to start reforesting 70,000 trees a year. I want to get into the millions and millions of trees and replace everything that we've consumed. In, wow. in, 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 and uh, that's what moves me, man. That's, that stuff is funny. We got at least stuff behind, so whenever you light up one of these cigars, man, there's a lot more to it than just at a store trying to make money and, and hopefully also that your listeners can go and, and Support the local shops. You got a lot yeah. of guys out, need a lot of money, making sure the shop is clean, hiring the right people, and paying that rent.
0: You know, yeah, you know, I, I when I was down at the farm, I went through the whole uh, bear, bear uh, you know, the spraying and everything, the spray down. They spray you down and everything. It, it, you guys, I mean, it's it's probably not cheap to do that. I mean, there's a I can see why a lot of companies don't do it, but you guys do. You you, it's it's part of visiting that farm. You you go through that. So I thought it was a, uh, um, very unique. But I, uh, you know, so I, you, know, you guys were ahead of the curve on a lot of things probably that you know in case some of these fda things had I think you guys were ahead of the curve on that stuff yeah i mean everything yeah yeah so um and uh yeah i mean you you guys just i, I know i just said one more you guys were doing the recycling of the boxes for a long time too you guys were recycling boxes if i remember too yeah we tried
2: um i mean padron does it really well but, but from what i understand padron packs their cigars in miami so the cig- boxes don't have to travel you know we okay. have to we got the boxes back. We had the storm in Miami. From Miami, reship them again. So, right. oh, all, okay, we were spending more. Yeah, yeah, we I can see that. Fine, And it wasn't worth it for us. So now we're finding solutions for the wood. You know, I'm having trouble getting rid of the cedar. I just, I, I, I I'm having trouble figuring out how to you implement cedar somehow, but eliminate cedar as much as we can. We change a lot of our processes, and we're using a lot less paint. You can see some changes in our boxes now. You know, use a lot less paint, less chemicals, but less and less and less of the bad stuff and more of the uh, simpler things. Nice. Yeah. We're trying to see how we can do it better. Very nice.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. I think you guys uh, have done some great stuff. And uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's exciting stuff if you're, uh, if you're a cigar smoker, what you guys are doing. So keep up the great work, Christian. We do appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, man.
2: All right. Hey, a- Aaron. All right. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Christian. Have a great yeah. night.
0: Yeah. First Christian, time. thanks again. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right. All right that is Christian Oroa of uh, CLE Cigar Company. Always good talking to him, Aaron. Um, I'm going to try to go through this commercial thing. Let's see what happens here with my voice. Take your time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I I knew I was going to crack if, and then Christian was going to make fun of me. Like I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want that. To happen. But I uh, so um we were actually going to mention Jerry Tobacco, uh the authentic Corahogue leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Homestorm Valley in Honduras, Julio Oro took on the challenge of growing coro seeds, from the, seeds two, me, growing from the original seeds, and in 2000, they successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years of experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who in the sun who Store brought their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic cut of whole leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra, and each represent the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Uh, now available at your local retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take uh, pride in the fact that they have cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars, available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Aganor leaf Drew Estate, and many more. Uh, they have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money saving discounts cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected sc- Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona the Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine, and Cigar Fishing Annual Magazine wrote Corona Cigar Company the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at Corona's website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstar and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona cigar company is the ultimate cigar experience. I made it. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't hit Chris. When I asked I asked Christian actually if he was the baseball historian. Yeah. I said I'm not, not going to hit him with the question. So I kind of moved, yeah. moved it here. Um, but let's get into our this day in sports history question. Uh, sponsored by Espinoza Cigars, makers of award-winning brands such as Espinoza 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinoza, Smoke Espinoza every day. Um, all right. I tried to pick a question tonight that was... I'll, I'll see if you, I can get you with this one, Aaron. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it was an easy one, but let's see. All right, and we're going to 1977. Okay. And this pitcher became the first AL reliever. To win the Cy Young Award. Not the first pitcher by reliever. There was a reliever who won it beforehand in the NL. Okay. But today they that uh when the when the, when the World Series ended early, the awards came out earlier. So the Cy Young Award was awarded in 1977 to this pitcher.
1: Okay. Um I'm gonna take a swing at the only area I can really think of that might qualify, and that's goose gossage.
0: It's a good, it's a good answer. It's not the answer, but that's a good one. Okay. That's a good one. Um so this guy actually played on the same team as Goose Gossage.
1: Uh, see, I don't remember who he was with in 77. I, I'm assuming that he was with the Yankees at that point? He
0: was. Yeah, he was with the Yankees. He was with the Yankees. He had 26 saves for the Yankees. And he and he actually did win the uh, the Cy Young Award that year. Um, And it... It's-
1: as soon as I hear it, I'm gonna uh, feel guilty yeah, about not thinking of it. But
0: uh, um, again, you know, if I, I get, for me, it was an easy one because again, I grew up in New York.
3: Um, but the answer—hold
1: on,
4: give
3: me well, one, give me one second, give me one okay, second. Okay.
4: No, I asked. Just... All right, go ahead and tell me.
3: All right, I'll tell you
0: one more thing. He actually did play for the Phillies afterwards, and he was on the eighty team. But I don't think he was on the World Series roster, by the way. But he, he actually did finish his career with with the Phillies.
3: Yeah, you um, have to tell me.
0: It is Sparky Lyle.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah i would I wouldn't even have guess that.
0: Yeah, and uh, in the NL, just you know, who won it? Mike Marshall won it. Uh, okay. Yeah, in the NL, so. Um, All
4: right.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Sparky Lyle. And kind of what happened is Goose replaced him as the closer in New mm-hmm. York. Okay. Um, and that led to Sparky getting traded to Texas. And he was really never the same after that Saw Young season. And then right. he was with the Phillies and he wasn't even, you know, he was like a middle reliever at that point. He was more journeyman at that point. Than okay. he, was, he was done, but uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he won it on this day. Um, What well, we kind of go to the last segment, which is by the way, going to be, PCA Media, which everyone <laughs> loves, right? So, um, let me ask a question um, here. Wh- who wins the World Series?
1: Uh, to me, this is really a toss-up. Like, I, there's not a there's not a dominant team between these two. I don't think. Oh, I know, um, I know. You know,
3: um, like I'm not. The Rangers' pitching just doesn't thrill me. I
1: mean Iavaldi was great the first half of the season. Then he kind of had that elbow thing and then he's somehow still getting it done. Um Scherzer has been Scherzer's like tagging along here. Like he's not been know, great. He's not he been somehow great. he le- he somehow got the right team. Verlander who actually pitched really well got the you know got the wrong pick. Right. You know, going to the Astros. But um Jordan Montgomery seems to be like the guy that's really holding it down in, in Texas. But um See I I'm, I'm more impressed with the the Rangers offense and I'm more impressed with the Diamondbacks pitching. So it's kind of a toss up there, but Diamonds, Diamondbacks can hit. Obviously they they won, but so I would probably lean towards the Diamondbacks if I'm, it was if I if someone was holding a gun to my head.
0: I'm saying Diamondbacks in 6 I don't think they go win it in seventh though. I think they have okay. to win it in six. But I'm going to see Diamondbacks in six. All right, yeah. That's what I'm. I'm going. I, I'm agreeing with you on that. Um, it, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, like I said, I'm not in love with Texas's pitching at all. Um, which is why I was like hoping. I was a little chomping with the Phillies hoping to get there because I thought our pitching was much better than te- Texas's. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and like I said, I think they can beat Texas on the fundamentals. Right. That's why I think they're going to beat them on. So. Here, here's what blows me away about Texas. They went into this year
1: having signed Jacob deGrom, who, when he's healthy, was the ve- the best pitcher in baseball. Like, Absolutely. Far none, right? Absolutely, yeah. Imagine what, like, they would probably, like, you would think, like, these guys would be, like, complete steamrollers if he was healthy, right? Like, it would be, like, whatever game deGrom's pitching, like, locked down, it's like, you got two, two automatic wins in the World Series, right, When he when he pitches. Yeah. And then... You know the rest of the that the rest of that crew can do what they need to do, but it's just amazing. You know how you know they they took that huge of a hit early on, and they just kept rolling.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you on that. Um, I uh, you know, and look, you remember the first series of the year was Texas and the Phillies, and they demolished us in that series. Yeah. And we just, you know, it wasn't even competitive. We weren't even competitive in that series. Yeah. And then they were up. But remember, there was a point where it looked we had. I remember Patrick was on, and it looked like Texas was about to fall out of the playoffs. They went in this early, late August, early September slump, and I thought they were going to fall out of the playoffs at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then uh, if the Diamondbacks win,
1: Madison Gardner gets another ring. So he he gets it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's. uh... (laughs) And it's funny that he he had texted uh, Bochi about wanting to pitch for him, you know, here in, the, here in the playoffs and his old, the team that he just, you know, that he was with last is now going to be playing against him. So I'm sure he would love to get a chance to pitch for Texas against his old team and really yeah.
0: shove it, shove it to him. But he's <laughs> exactly. not going to get that chance. So. Exactly. 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 Uh... Um, I'll ask this last question just because it's current. Um, and then we'll go to break. Uh look, you know, obviously I know you're not a San Francisco Giants fan, but you do live in the area. What is the reaction to the Bob Melvin going back to the Bay Area now with the Giants? Has this been I don't um, I don't follow any um just you know radio
1: get, out here. But I mean right. look, um All right, what's your thoughts on it? I I'm mean am not it, I was not I was, I was never a Kapler fan. Um, you know, I know he had great success in that you know, that Hunter win season or whatever, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, Bob Melvin. Yeah. He was, you know, he was with the A's for a long time. He did really well, but I don't see, to me in the A's system, I don't know the manager means Jack squat, right? They they can make all the call They, they make the calls from the front office, right? Uh, the manager can either get in line or get the fuck out. So, um, I don't know that you know, and Melvin didn't do anything special in San Diego. So I don't know that he's as great of a manager as people may think, but we'll see what we'll see what he can do in San Francisco. But it's again, it's it's almost like it's almost that A's system in San Francisco. So we'll see if we'll see how they make things work over there. I and mean, he it, there's not a ton of talent on that Giants team. um but we'll see if the GM can make any moves coming up to build up that roster.
3: Here's what,
0: you know, I've been having fun with Rob with this. Right. And I, and I yeah. do think it was a good hire than bringing in somewhat, no experience. Right. Um, But I've been having fun with Rob on this. Cause obviously I think anything was an upgrade, but I also saw some of the guys that were interviewing. I'm like, these guys have no experience. So what I will say, if I want to be critical of this, he has not won a big playoff series. Really? Bob right. Melman did not have that big playoff series. win. he had that opportunity with the Padres last year and he didn't get it. He should have beat the Phillies last year for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: I don't I don't know if I feel like he's a great manager.
1: Like, you know, yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I okay, I think anything was an upgrade and I like the fact they are bringing in an experienced manager and Farhan yeah. has worked with this guy before, so he obviously can work with this guy. But I just wonder, yeah, I mean, is he a big-time playoff manager? Because again, Oakland was not the great situation to like he always he like you said, you know, that was the way that team was managed wasn't really the manager so much. Yeah. And in Oakland, if you get
1: to the playoffs, that's the win. You don't yeah. have to perform in the playoffs. You just had to get there. Right. So anything else was just gravy. So there weren't yeah. any huge expectations on anybody there.
0: Yeah. And I, I think he, um, he was also with Seattle and he kind of got that team when they were aging and Pinello was out. Yeah. Th- then he was with the Diamondbacks. And, and I think he got that job because that was the whole Wally Backman thing. Mm-hmm. So uh you know, and then he had the run in Oakland and the run in Oakland was very good. Yeah. So um this is like I said, this is we're gonna see how good he is, I guess. It's this is kind of like what Bochi was a few years, but but Bob Melvin has not got no world series or won that big playoff series, is my point on that. Right. Yeah. Um he you wanna say he beat the Mets last year and then he knocked out the, the maybe that Dodgers series is the one a couple right. years, yeah, last year rather than I'll give him that. So yeah all right, so let's just uh, – let me see if I can get through this last round of the sponsors, and then we'll uh, we'll get into our final segment, which is media getting getting the fees removed the PCA, everyone's <laughs> favorite topic. Sure. All right, so I uh, want to mention uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company Company's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C.U.N. is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hole, J. C. M. was premium cigars by hand- and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the uh, All-American Cigar, the American, and the Anjo Cuesta. The J.C.U.N. Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, El Baton, Quorum, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C.U.N. Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners partners the Arturo Fuente family the Newman's founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jasonnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas Cigars has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of their Las Latas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserva line, and as well as their latest release, the Sangre Nueva. And if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your old criteria for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our casa to yours. And finally, we'll get into our industry talk deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no delusion when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Half Wheel Consensus, including number 1 Cigar of the Year with the Mi Corita Tricky Traca in 2020, and in 2022 with the Mi Corita Black Saka Khan. You can visit dtcigars.com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, I think, every unless you are on uh, another planet, um, announcement came that uh the uh media fees uh which has been a long source of contention with cigar media for as long as i've been around um where cigar media paid for trade show dues the pca has iced them and they're no longer going to charge them uh and I have I wrote an article. I have some thoughts. We've been talking a lot about these thoughts all week, um, because I think it's been uh, I have some views. But I want and Aaron, I want to see if you like agree with me on some of these views, and if you have your own. I think you probably have some different spins on some of this stuff for sure. Um, so I'll kick it off. You know, so my my feeling with this announcement was that PCA was looking to solve another problem here. It wasn't like they were. And and my thing is, they had this problem, and I've I've talked about it, where media could go in other avenues, they could circumnavigate the process to get a badge. Mm -hmm. Namely, they don't have to pay, they can find the manufacturer, and the manufacturer will give them a badge, and they get on the trade show floor much, they get more time on the trade show floor than we do. Right. This came up at our press con- – uh, whatever you want to call it, the press meeting. I, I'll call it a PCA. Um, yeah. it, it, it's been ex- – but it was, it was the first time I thought it was taken seriously. Um, but there has been an ongoing thing. While media shouldn't pay, we'll, we'll kind of talk on that a bit. But but here's my first question, Aaron. Was this yeah. done to help the media or was this done to close the loophole? Or is there some other reason I'm missing here? I, I, I'm not quite sure why it was done.
1: Um, I don't know if it's to help the media. Um to try to get more media there. Um, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not really sure why, um, you know, I, I think you mentioned other times that I don't really have any insight to this is that in other industries, media does not have to pay to attend trade shows or be a member of a uh, organization yeah. to cover yeah. it. It's kind of media is um uh, free entry because of, you know, the coverage that they provide for the industry or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe they're maybe they're doing it just to kind of stay in line with that. Um, I, I I really am not sure at this point.
0: Yeah, I I I almost think like they 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 realized they had these this loophole, and that's why they did it. And we'll get into this in a little more as we talk. And they, I think they said, "All right, you know what? We can maybe solve this problem with the like the guys who are paying who are having this dis like disadvantage. We we can kill two birds with one stone here." Yeah. Um. I was very surprised. I, well, I was going say, I heard a few weeks ago, and I think I told you that this was happening. Yeah, so I did notice, but I was even when I heard it a few weeks ago, I was even surprised as well. Yeah, so, um, so when the answer came, I was I had already known, uh, I think I told our guys this, this it wasn't that they kept the secret, they were just trying to get the announcement out at that yeah. point, but uh, but yeah, I said this was happening, and um, I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised with that. But here's my next question, you had, and this was this is probably a more controversial question. We paid – so just so you know, uh, in disclosure, the media paid – it was like $450 if you bought the badge before the end of the year, the previous year. Right. And $150 for each additional badge, right? Yeah. So that was the fee. I think if, if you paid after the first year, it went up to like $500, right? But, but I'm going to keep that $450. And 150 number out there. So, from so the Coop team, I was paying 600. And if you took all four of your guys, you're paying 600. Um, right. And you paid, but you pay, but if you were one guy, you pay, like, if you pay, if you, if you're one, everyone, it was up to, you, with 450, it got you up to three bags. Yeah. Here is here, this is, and this is the argument I've heard for, for 10, 12 years. Yeah. I can't go, I can't afford to go to PCA because of the fee. Because yeah. of this badge fee. Yeah. Do you feel this was a barrier to entry? I
1: think it I think for some people it actually was. Um and I I kind of felt like that was kind of a good barrier to entry because if you if you felt like that little amount of money was really blocking you, that you know, maybe that was enough to keep some of the people that maybe wouldn't have brought the right kind of uh I don't know, process to the to the trade show. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, I understand four hundred and fifty dollars is a fair amount of money. Um, you're already you're you're gonna be spending a bunch of money going there anyway. You gotta pay flights, hotels, food, whatever else you're doing while you're there. In the grand screen scheme of it, the 450 is probably not a huge amount. Um, but I think it was enough for some people to kind of hold them back. So um I mean there there are very few media brands that are making significant amount of money doing this you know coverage so um you you know you could jack up the prices and you're going to make it even you know less media go- that goes um so you know using that um if you use that formula if you just double the price you're probably going to see a drop a, a fair amount of people that drop out so, um, it it does provide some barrier to entry.
0: It, I think it does too, um, because there are guys who've gone as one man crews to the trade. I, I was a one man crew at one time at the trade show. Yeah. Um. So if I'm paying 450 as a one man crew versus bringing the coop team out, three people in the development house team, three people for 450, four for 600, I kind of see a little inequity there. It is a bigger hit. Yeah. But. My and this this may and look I this may sound cruel but is is this a stage for the okay if you can't afford that is this the stage you should be going to is my question. like like that's where I'm kind of going is this is this is not a hobby convention is where I'm going no I understand that so um, I'm, I'm being you know and I, I noticed some guys, and I know, this is where I know it's a sore point with some guys but yeah I mean. And and you met, and Aaron, you mentioned the other thing. The the cost, when I look at my cost, airfare, hotel or or house, media compound, yeah. uh, rental car and food are all ahead of the badge price.
1: Yep. Exactly. So,
0: but yeah, um, you know,
1: and we'll t guess, you know, we'll talk I'll probably talk about this a little bit later, is that you know, kind of what we mentioned about is this, you know, in other industries where there's no uh charge, um, I'm sure they have a more formal process to determine who's who gets passes and who doesn't get passes, right? So, with that, with not having that in place, um, using that uh, entry fee, you know, I think did did part of that work for them.
4: You're muted, Coop.
3: rookie move. Uh, yeah, we're gonna hit a lot of these other. This is a great segue into the, the next few
0: questions. So I think this is good. So. All right. So they PCA said as part of this process, they are going to implement a vetting process to determine if media is meets the criteria to go. Yeah. And this was a little bit of a surprise to me. Right. Because Mm -hmm. this is something the PCA is not wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. I mean, we've seen PCA's come to us asking us to do this. Right. Right. Most I think almost everything in the media has refused it because they don't want to be. Whether well, you like someone, gate- right, you <laughs> they don't want
1: to be the gatekeeper. You
0: don't want to be the gatekeeper, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be the guy who said this guy shouldn't go in, right? Right. Whether well, you like someone or not, that, you know, if they're doing their job, they should go. In. So here's my question with this this is something new that the PCA has taken on. How concerned are you that, or how much confidence do you have they're going to be able to do this out of the gate? Um, I would think that they should be
1: able to do it well. Whether they will do that or not is up in the air. I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, but, but I think this is a critical a critical piece, right?
0: It's an if absolute you, critical piece. If you
1: take piece. down the dollar amount and it's kind of open season, right? you have to have a vetting process in. Otherwise, you've just created CigarCon because everybody and their mother will now have an a, a Instagram channel. Right that they're, you know, doing videos on and are coming into the trade show. Right. Yeah. So there's gotta be a process in place. It's gotta be done fairly well to make it not a disaster. Um, because the, like I said, you know, you no longer have that one little hurdle that you had in place before that kind of helps you out. So um, it sounds like Antoine's going to be the guy that's kind of doing this. He's got, you know, he's got, he's the media guy. So he's right. got a little bit of insight into who's out there. I would think. Yeah. So yeah. How much time he's gonna have to spend on doing this is will be interesting because I'm not sure what the application process is gonna look like now, like what the quantity is gonna be that comes through to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so f- you know, just so folks know that there actually was a credential process that that I had to go through in 2011. And I actually the way I had to do it is um I I put together a binder and it was like a three-ring loose leaf binder. And I filled it with all my content, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget; I think because I actually had to send the application in is why I did that. Um, and I don't think they required me to do it, but you know, I had to show stuff. And yeah. it took it took a few weeks to to get it approved. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, they approved it. Um, I've spoken to Matt Ty and Matt Tobacco when they applied for the process. Mm-mm. And basically they sent in the application and were approved uh, within an hour. Yeah. Like, and there wasn't like much they had to do with that. Right. So they got away from it. Right. Um, I, I certainly think Antoine is the guy who can do that. And I'll also say this. I think he is a, he'll be fair about it. Right. Um, I don't see any, I mean, Antoine is a pretty unselfish guy. Um, I've dealt with him at TPE over the years and he's been very helpful. So I, I, I don't think that's yeah. I, my only other problem is if Antoine leaves, what happens? Like they, right. they gotta have a few people to figure that out. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that would be my, my feeling. I, I think it's going to take Aaron. I think it's going to take two years. I think to put this on the first year is going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to have to do something because otherwise they're going to have to just, just, uh, I mean, I've, I saw one year, a guy who, Start like he started his own podcast. He had like two episodes out and was in the trade show. Yeah, and then didn't produce content after that. Like for like after. That. So they they those are that's what they're going to be targeting here. Um, right. I, I mean I, I know guys like oh say y'all oh, I don't want to pick on Bob Bob the Cigar Guy is getting in. Okay, I'm going to tell you he's yeah. getting in, and I have no problem with him getting. In. He's producing content and whatever. It's right. a different platform. He's getting in right, but yeah. it's it's these other guys who, who basically you know they want to get into the trade show it is a cool thing to go to a trade Joe. I think this Absolutely. is where they, this is where they're going to have to target that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if, if that vetting process is super loose, you're just going to have a flood of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then, and I don't think it's going to be super hard. Where okay, they're going to look at um, like someone like established and deny them, right? Right. I don't think they'll do that easy. So I think they'll lean towards probably letting you in, and that it's 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 the borderline cases that I'm a little worried about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we'll get into some more. So let's say, Aaron, the next question I have is: Let's say they vetted, they get in, but there's people who are not following, like people who are still going and getting the badges from other people,
3: right? Does PCA enforce the rule here? Um, I mean, you would think that they would need to
1: if they want to provide credibility to the new process of no fees and. In- the media vetting process right, right? yeah you're taking down that barrier to entry like you don't need to go to a a, a manufacturer or a retailer to get to gain entry um because if you're doing that you're trying to circumvent the vetting process for being the media so right yeah i mean i you would think so and maybe you're going to leave it up to uh, you know people to point it out if they see it and you know based on that see if they take action so i don't know how that would work out
0: yeah, I mean, and here's, the, but here's the other thing that I'm, this is the part, I'm also concerned about this part a little more. Like, we've talked to, you and I have talked to the PCA about this several times over the years. Like, this was going on. Mm-hmm. And the answer we've always gotten back is, we, this shouldn't go on. Can you guys, like, report these guys, right? Yeah. I don't want to be, I, go, I have enough time, things to do on the floor, I can't <laughs> be the police. Yeah. Like why aren't the man I, I keep you know we hear these stories every year oh there's media that cost the sale i said mm-hmm. why aren't the manufacturers reporting the specific medium why is it okay i've never seen a scenario where it's it, someone's been thrown off the trade show for because it might have happened but i don't know yeah but but so i don't think it should be put on the media to police themselves i think it should be you know if someone wants to do it that's fine i don't have a problem with it but a manufacturer and the PCA. I don't. Know, I know the PCA can't put a security
3: force on the floor either. Yeah, but they do have one, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
3: Interesting. Will this increase or decrease media on the show floor
0: if they I go? I think it, it
1: increases. Like, there's no reason it wouldn't increase, right? You've you've given them four hundred fifty dollars back. Right. To spend on their flight or their room or their food or their Uber or whatever they need there. So um I absolutely think it increases the
0: amount of media. So if we combine the legitimate media who's been doing this with the rogue media going to the manufacturers and oh and retailers, retailers have given out badges too. I shouldn't yeah, yeah. you know just single out the manufacturers. See, I think it might be less if you include those people getting the the badges the other way. Mm-hmm. I think it might be less. I'm not sure. Because part of what the, part of what PCA is going to do, is I guess they want to educate the manufacturers on talking to people who have a media badge. That, that's kind of what I've heard. Mm. Um, I, you know, they're going to talk to anybody. I mean, I hate to say mm. it. I mean, I've seen it happen. They don't, you know, if they get free publicity, um, they're going to yeah, it.
1: they don't yeah, they're not going to say gonna, oh, I, if you're not media, I can't do an interview or you know, yeah. I can't talk to you about it. Yeah, that's not going to happen.
0: And we'll get into some scenarios that um, the multiple hat scenario. We'll get into it in a bit, but let me go to this next one because this is the one that I've taken a little bit of hits from people on. Uh-huh. Should media feel obligated to support the industry by paying a trade show due? Like, so you're it's this is you're doing this, and the PCA is fighting for your right to do this. You should you should pay your dues and shut up. Like, I've right. heard this from I've heard this from a lot of people over the years. OK, so, um, I, yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't think they should feel obligated. Uh, like we talked about for other industries, you know, they uh, do the Do those media entities um, support the organizations that they're attending their events for to do the coverage and things like that? I don't know that that that's the case. Right. Um so I don't know that you ha- you should feel obligated. I think if you want to do it, you should do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Um. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you are providing a uh, a service to the industry by covering the event. I think. Um. So I mean, I I don't want to f- sound like I'm like. You know, screw these guys. You know, I'm not I'm not giving them a dime or anything like that. Uh, But there, you know, there is value for uh, the media coverage, right? Um, Yeah,
0: there is
3: a value on that. I I agree with you on that.
1: Yeah. Um. So it's it's a tough call. I think if you you know if you feel that you want to donate, you can. And you like media could have you know there were times where you know media paid their entry fee, and if they wanted to get in. Um, There was a time where you still had to you could donate to the pack if you wanted to get even earlier entry time. Right. Yeah. Media wasn't always allowed in uh, an hour earlier or whatever it was. So there were times where, you know, you still had the opportunity to donate even more and things of that nature. So um, I think it's really up to each individual entity on what they want to do.
3: Yeah, I see I've taken the approach similar to you. Um, I think if you can afford it, and you support the organization,
0: then then support it financially. If you don't support the organization, maybe th- that's a tricky part, right? Because if you're there to cover a trade show, right, you know, p- part of a a true media guy is to cover it, whether you you know honestly, yeah, yeah. But see, the problem I had was this is. I use that term like the T tax. I felt this was like the T tax for me. Um oh, okay, you know, I, I'm going and that that T tax is I get it. There's a cost for me to be on the trade show floor. It's not free for me to be on the trade show floor. There's costs that happen, right? If I go to an opening party or something like that, I I I get that, right? But I feel like okay, then I'm paying and I'm being I'm paying a tax. There's another guy who's you know, PCA fighting for his right. He may support the PCA, but he's not. He's not paying to get in. Like, yeah. so I don't think it should be gated. Is what I'm saying. I don't think they should. I think they should be separate. Um, and and I, I just, I don't know. I just, a couple of the media people threw this back at me, right? And they said, you know, you should, you should pay. And look, I've always paid. I've never had a problem paying the dues. I'll pay my dues, right? Um, but, but don't throw that back on me saying when you're not going to the trade show. Like what are, right. what are you doing then? Because they are fighting for you as well, technically, right? So yeah. So um that I had a problem with. But I, I, I get it, you know. I, Craig had Craig had a few interesting things, and I agreed with a lot what Craig said too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think he kind of supported my position on this as well. And Craig's been going to the trade show a lot longer than I have. So um, as has Ben Lee guys like that. So so yeah, I thought it was a little like I said, I kind of I get some uh, I I had no problem paying the fees if they wanted to keep the fees and just do the vetting process I was fine with that right yeah so uh, this is not me not wanting to pay the fees it, it was because people saying oh these damn bloggers they, they don't want to now they, they want to go to trade show for free no I, I'm willing to pay the fees but there was a, I felt I go back this process was so broken that like how can you just allow this process to go on the way it was it was it was such an inequity the way it was so
1: yeah yeah
0: um let me throw out another yeah thought and
1: I, I i'm not saying this because i know anything i'm just throwing out an idea you know it's a conspiracy theory here yeah with media be, being a member of the organization is this maybe a a step back so that they're not a member of the organization so that there's no rumblings of that there should be media members on the board um and things of that nature because if they're if you're no longer a member then that's really not a discussion anymore right you're like you know it's not an organization that's you're a part of or anything like that So
0: I mean that's been a lot of the argument With media guys um, For a long time is we pay this due But we all we're doing Is paying our, our trade show badge fee We don't like if yeah. I paid the fee And didn't go to the trade show I don't get any Value and I think that's a yeah. fair A fair comment um, To make Yeah. Um. So I, I think that you know and I think That they don't want media on the board yeah. I think that would be a fearful thing. I have personally taken the approach that I would never like um Matt Tyfuse said you should run for the I'm never gonna run for a board slot I, I can to assure <laughs> you of that, right? Because um it, it just I, I feel I gotta be able to like I was asked for some of those when they were doing those subcommittees, I even yeah. stayed away from those because yeah. I just, I want to, you know, look in 2019, I, I, I killed the PCA too over cigar con. So mm-hmm. I need to, I need to have that. If I'm, if I'm now involved with running the organization, I don't want to be, I feel it's kind of going to affect my neutrality. So, right. Oh, but I do think that that is a lot of the reason. um And I think you make a valid point is there was no other value. Like, I don't think they were offering a lot of these other programs to media, like insurance or, you know, other types of things. I, I think some right. of the discount rates were were available. That was about it, though. And I don't know if yeah. the discount rates were any um like on rental cars. I don't think it was anything spectacular.
1: No, no not not in this discount that you couldn't get in yeah. a number of other ways.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so I I, I do believe I'm supporting the organization financially because that's what I want to do. Um, and that will be, um, but my call. But I don't feel I should be guilted into it at all. Yeah. Um. So. Um, I, I I get that you know it's the same thing like like you know I've heard you know people who don't aren't if you if you're not a member of the PCA, then like if you're a manufacturer and you're not going to PCA and and shut up <laughs> it's like you know yeah. that's like I said so you know um all right so now what about these guys who wear two hats going into the trade show okay I am I'm working to set up the booths. I I do work for this company but but you know what. Uh maybe I'm a retailer, so I'm gonna you know, I I'm gonna be doing media, I'm doing interviews, but you know, I am working for a retailer, I am working for the manufacturer. Yeah. So why, you know, what's the problem here? Like well, yeah. why, you know, I should be able to get a badge from the manufacturer. Right. So what are your thoughts on that one? That's a tough, that's a tough
1: situation. I don't right. I don't really have yeah. a solution on how to yeah. you know do that because you yeah. can't. Like you, you can't monitor someone's time yeah. to see how much they're spending doing, you know, one role versus the other role or anything around that. But, um, there's also times where you can clearly see that, you know, someone on the floor is spending, you know, 90% of their time doing media related items. And, you know, maybe they set up the booth, the, you know, the day before the show started and that, that was the extent of their work with the company kind of a thing. So. Um, I, it it's just one maybe it's just one of those things where like you know somebody that works for you know that works for the p c a or something if they see it or somebody else says something to them about it, they investigate it or something like that, but I, I don't know how you kind of handle that up front um I mean obviously you can kind of say it going in like you know if you're getting in with this kind of a badge, this is your primary role, and if you're you know if someone says something about you know, you doing something else and it uh, causes a disturbance or whatever like that. You're you you know you could be banned from the show next show or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, there's some sort of a precursor to that.
0: Yeah, I, I got feedback from one person on this. Actually, two people. I got feedback from on this uh, when I wrote about it, and I agree. It's a hard problem. It's not. It, I think there's always going to be scenarios, and those have to be dealt with individually. But I think. Ultimately, like you said, if, if if there's an incident, then they should be denied that. However, I do think they should have to get a media badge. And to, anyway, so if they're walking around the trade show floor and they have the media stripe, there's you know then no one could say, hey, this guy's why is this guy at the booth, right? So yeah. just get the media stripe, go get your credential, and then if if people are walking the floor trying to enforce this, you, you take it off the table. Though. And if, right. and if you need to be at, at your booth for setup, that, okay. Um, I, I think the other thing they should say is that every, you know, the, the, the tricky part is like putting photos up and stuff of product and stuff um, mm-hmm. on setup day. And that the manufacturer, that's a tough one. I mean, I, that happened a few years ago when, when the guys were getting on the floor early and they put pictures up of everything. Yeah. It's a tough scenario. Yeah. I mean, there are some legitimate people who wear two hats and then there's people who don't wear two hats. Like they, right. They, they're going to
3: uh the manufacturers and getting badges. Yeah. Here's my last question of the night. What about cutting, and
0: this is something my favorite. What about cutting back the member of manufacturer badges? Because that is where the root of this problem is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I don't know that that's the um easy answer. Um, I would I would say that, you know, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's, is it based on booth size as to the number of badges you get kind of a thing? It's based on booth size. Yeah, I mean, look, <clears throat> there are some companies that have very large booths that have uh, kind of a lower quantity of staff compared to some other booths right. that are of similar size or maybe even a bit smaller that has, you know, packed full of staff. Um, I, I don't know that I'm a fan of necessarily... Cutting that down, um, I would you know, I would think that the the booths should have the number of badges they need to to man their to man what they need. Um, but you know, obviously, you have to kind of police that in some fashion that they're not just, you know, if if company A needs five people in their booth, but they have the space of what the other one has, and they, they're allowed fifteen and they hand out 10 of those to some of their best customers and some of their, you know, media friends, then that's something else. And they just, I think once those get, if those get reported, then you have to deal with that. But I'd hate for a company to have to like come in with a crew that's smaller than what they actually need to, to do, to do business at the volume they need to do it.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that. My scenario. this is how I looked at the scenario. Um, what I would do is, okay, so let's say company A gets 50 or a big company to get 50 badges. Yeah. My idea is cut it down to 30, right? But don't charge them if they do need additional badges above the 30. Have them submit. And I know this is more work on the PCA than have them submit the justification. Okay, who, who's this badge? What their role is going to be?
4: Mm.
0: Uh, it, it's not going to be perfect, but it will make it a little difficult for them to just freely give these badges out because, i mean the numbers i i've looked at the numbers based on square footage and, and i've said to people on the board this is insane you don't need that many people that's right. why these badges are so easy to get that's why i have picked more in the manufacturer the retailers have to pay for it the yeah. manufacturers get an exorbitant amount of these badges yeah so that that's why i say i would cut it back and i know it's going to add a step to the process but don't deny i like, don't like so if company a needs 45 badges and they're given 30 and they got okay here's why we need the additional 15. boom 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 boom. Uh, yep. and if someone should be putting uh, so they can you know um and and I know it may be tricky like someone's gonna say they're the photographer right and yeah um in my opinion if you're a photographer for a company you should be de- and that's the reason you should be denied that and told you have to get a media badge that's my opinion because okay. I've seen these photographers, and they're good guys. I'm not knocking these guys. They walk the trade show floor. They maybe work a booth for a couple hours, and then they walk yeah. the trade show floor the rest of the time. Right. So, and you know what? If you're working for the company, and you had to pay. You don't have to pay for the bag anymore. Like, yeah. so there's not a cost to just go get go get a bag. You can't do that under a company. And then again, yeah. a lot of the problems solved. So. Sure. But we shall see, and you're not even going to be there this year. So we're talking about, no. this, right? So I'm going to benefit from it. Yeah, that's going to. All right, but that's why I, I need. That's why I need to report back. I
1: want to see how this goes, how this process oh, goes. Oh, there's
0: going to be, you know, our message thread is going to be blowing up. <laughs> oh, that, uh, you're going to be in the middle of your baseball uh, analytics. Yeah. And, but you're going to you're going to be looking at this right and seeing what's going. On. I, I'm go. kind of bummed you're not going this year for this reason. I know. So. Uh, i'll be
1: firing shots from a distance don't oh worry.
0: boy yeah yeah <laughs> you'll be the, you'll be that guy now like. yeah. all right so uh all good so hey uh thank you to christian again uh mm-hmm. for being on the show thanks to gabriel panaris by boy for, for setting that up um and um no show again next week because i'm at lazana palooza so yep. um um and we already did the lazana palooza show on tuesday so uh we will be back the following week. I will have a uh well now to the guests and everything. um uh, uh, we have a we have a guest lined up actually at the end of um we have Jared coming the end of, of uh, November. So we have mm-hmm. a couple yeah, but we have a couple of slots open, so stay tuned for that. All right, um, and I got through the show, which is pretty good. So nice. thanks uh, to our audience as well. Um that's gonna wrap up primetime episode 286 into the annals of history for thursday october 26th now um friday october 27th in the eastern time zone and i know bear will get mad at me i didn't wish him a happy birthday so happy birthday bear his birthday was his today birthday. <laughs> yeah so i was uh i was adamant today
3: so um but uh happy birthday bear and we'll catch everybody uh next time take care everybody
4: see you guys